Listen up. I won't sugarcoat it. This is the longest cold flu and allergy season we've ever seen, but we're not alone. We've got Instacart. Sure, you may be a coughing snot faucet who just wants mommy, but you're not giving up. Not when cold medicine, fragrant herbal teas, and honey shaped like bears can be delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. Now let's go win the sick playoffs. Daddy, I just want my soup. Oh, sorry, Sport App says it'll be here in, in a few minutes. <laughs> Instacart for the win. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to episode 165 of the Savaggio and Christ Sports Podcast. Here for you again on a Thursday night, our likely um recording night going forward but we'll keep posted if anything changes there um typical type of show besides a nba season preview after we get done with football and um yeah let's get into it um ryan how are you i'm good i have light i have a lot of lights i'm not using my tv to light the the podcast anymore which is good um kudos to my dad for installing a bunch of lights because i would know no idea how to do it um but i am good to go Patriots got a win. Can you believe it? I know we're doing a recording on Thursday. I can't believe, mm-hmm. still can't believe what I watched. Yeah. Uh, you need to be at every Boston sporting event, I think, from this to, or that day on out because you have to have the most impeccable, uh, Yeah, I was going to say roster, this made sense, uh, record with you in the building for these sporting teams. I know. These sporting um, events. Unfortunately, it can't always help the Red Sox. That's, that makes sense, though. That's true. Yeah, well, they're uh, pretty much cursed. So, But, yes, I was in the building for the Week 7 win. Um, and it was it was something else. I came in with low expectations, and um, they were exceeded, which isn't really hard to exceed such low expectations in a game like mm-hmm. this, I suppose. But I'll take it. Um, and we'll, you know, we'll talk about why it's good to win this game, even though, you know, you're looking for draft position. Um, we'll get into a ton of shit uh, about this game and more. Uh, but as always, studs and duds to start. Yeah, and crazy to think that this week it was kind of tough to find uh, duds and pretty easy to find studs. I haven't had that luxury all season, but I will start per usual with my number three stud the first time this man finds the list, I believe. Uh, back with the Patriots, J.C. Jackson played Maybe quietly a really good game because obviously there were a lot of good players in this game. And Jackson, uh, at least maybe to the naked eye, didn't stand out a ton. But you look at the stat sheet, you, ta- you dive a little deeper. He was excellent in this game. Three for nine on the coverage stats, 36 yards allow- allowed. Did allow a touchdown, but had a pass breakup as well. Five tackles and 64 snaps, played 90% of them. Uh, this is from Mark Daniels, of course, covering the Patriots, saying, quote, against Buffalo, no player was targeted more by Josh Allen than J.C. Jackson. And he stepped up. Uh, Allen started the game 0 for 5 targeting Jackson in coverage, had a nice pass breakup on Stephon Diggs in the end zone, had a nice tackle on third and seven to stop Stephon Diggs, uh, and that ultimately led to the fourth down turnover on downs. And again, J.C. Jackson's been quietly pretty good. Uh, again, for Mark Daniels, said, quote, in three games in New England, uh, Jackson has allowed six catches on 18 targets, 33% uh, for 76 yards to go with a touchdown and a pass breakup. He's been great since coming back and has looked pretty comfortable since rejoining uh, his old team. Yeah, he does. Um, didn't expect it, to be honest. I kind of expected an unpredictable J.C. Jackson uh, when he came back, but it hasn't been the case, which has been great. Um, my number three stud, uh, we have an identical cast besides the order, um, so we'll kind of just piggyback off each other here. Uh, DeMario Douglas, it's crazy what happens when you throw the guy the ball. I'm happy mm. I was there for it because it made me smile. Um if this doesn't lead to more consistent usage for him, um, I don't know what will. I don't know if anything will ever lead to it, if that's the case in this Miami game, unless he gets shut down or something. Mm-hmm. But I was pleased. He looked 
you know, same old, you know, when he's moving, um, he's a threat with his feet um, when he has the ball. So he was here and I hope to see more of it. As do I. Spoiler alert, like you said, we have the same supporting cast here. I have him as my number one because, like you said, it is crazy when you finally put the guy on the field, uh, what he can do for you. He's your best receiver by far. Maybe not by far because Kendrick Bourne had a nice day as well. Could have very easily found his way to the studs list as well. Uh, but, again, tomorrow, Douglas, it's the guy we've been waiting on. We've been asking uh, more from or just for to play more. They did that. I think he played the, either the second or third highest snaps uh, for a receiver. I believe it was the second highest. Um, yeah, only behind Kendrick Bourne, who played 56 snaps, 93% of them. Douglas was great, made a lot of big plays. It seemed like Mac, when he needed a big play, that was the guy he was going to. Mm-hmm. Um, and you need to see more of that. And you'd like to see more of that moving forward, because, again, I think you could very well make the case that he might be the best receiver on this team all around. Undoubtedly. Undoubtedly. All right. Your number two stud, as mine, is J.C. Jackson. So mm-hmm. kind of got and to this- that already. So skipping over me. All right, and this is your number one as well. Some high praise for a guy we just mentioned. Mac Jones finds his way back to the studs list, and maybe there are some people that will say, yeah, he did have a couple of mistakes, did almost throw another bad pick. Um, but we're going to overlook that for just, you know, here and now, because Mac played excellent in this game, especially in the fourth quarter, finishes the game 25 for 30, 272 yards, uh, two touchdowns, one sack, no picks, and a quarterback rating of 126.7. The touchdown to Bourne uh, and the Gasicki throw as well were both perfectly thrown balls. Had a number of big throws in the game. The third and eight to Hunter Henry uh, with the pass rush barreling down on his blind side. He had to throw the Douglas that put them outside the one or on the one yard line. Um, that was a ball only Douglas could catch. Mac was great in this game. Uh, you didn't see the, it seemed like, as we've seen all season, the timid, scared, shaky Mac Jones when there was pressure because it really wasn't. We'll get to the offensive line play in a little bit. Uh, but Mac was excellent. Maybe for a week, silence and doubters a little bit here. Uh, and finally, it seems like he got that. Uh, ever so elusive, you know, game-winning fourth quarter coming from behind drive. I know people will argue he did it against the Texans, but that's the Texans. This is the Buffalo Bills, and this is the Mac Jones that I was waiting to see. You were waiting to see. You texted me uh, very emphatically that Mac Jones is back. I don't know if I go that far. He needs to string some of these was, games together a bit here. I was, I was under the influence. I was going to say there might be a little, yeah, some substance uh, may have affected Happens. that. Hey, hey. Yeah. Hey, happens to the best of us. Um, but yeah, Mac was great in this game. His best game by far. Maybe you could argue his best game of his career. Cause again, chips were down everything stacked against him. He balled out when he needed to. And it was great to see. Yeah, he did. Um, going into the season, I think a lot of Patriots fans were hoping for a win like this, you know, mm-hmm. one you're not supposed to get, whether it's in the, the division outside of the division, whether it was one of those Cowboys, people. like I was hoping for, Yep, I'll take it against the bills. Yeah, um, just a couple of weeks late. We'll take it. Mac Jones is just a huge reason why um, only through five incompletions. Uh, you're winning a lot of games when you're playing like that. And uh, mm-hmm. that was the case here. It wasn't easy. You know, had to get that, um, that last drive to, to, you know, punch the W ticket. Um, but he played good. He looked like Mac of old from, mm-hmm. you know, at times last season and the season before I haven't seen a Mac Jones really like this this year. Um, and I think, Part of it, which we'll get to a little bit later, and um, we'll talk about a little bit with the offensive line with in the duds category. Um, he had a he had a unit that finally worked, mm-hmm. and if they can continue to work, maybe they can start to salvage something here. Yeah, you hope because I think he even said it himself in the post game, like when he has time to throw, um, yeah. it obviously is a big help. We've been saying that all season. Like that's obvious to to watch this team how good he can be. Um, and how good the offense can look when it looks functioning and they have a functioning offensive line. That was kind of like a shot at the offensive line, but not in like a bad way. Slightly, like it's, yeah. It's, 
it's nice to have time essentially is what he's saying. And he's not mm-hmm. wrong. Like no, it's, it's, it's a reasonable thing to expect from your offensive line mm-hmm. uh, when you're an NFL quarterback. So I'm not, I'm not going to be up in arms about it. Yeah, absolutely. I won't be either. Um, so you, like you said, you have Mizzou one. I had DeMario Douglas as my one, not going to really add anything else that, that you didn't already say. Again, Douglas was great. Just continue to play him more. Yep. Um, and do not, when guys like Juju come back or, you know, Devontae Parker, do not give them more time okay. than this kid because he's good and you need to play him. Uh, yes. The dud side of things, I think, I believe we have the same. Oh, no, you have one different one. So I will start yep. again with the duds. Uh, you mentioned the offensive line as wait, a whole wait. was pretty good. Again, oh, no, when, yeah, I do have one, just one. You I do. Yep, your one is different. Um, offensive line, look, they played well. There was one guy, if you want to nitpick, uh, City So. Pro Football Focus did grade him well. Uh, listening to Felgren Maz the other day, Greg Bedard was on a Boston Sports Journal, and he worded it as, I don't know what they're smoking, he said, because he didn't find him that great. Uh, and according to him, Again, he follows, you know, watches game tape, stuff like that. So he knows a little bit more than you and I do. He had, uh, so for three quarterback pressures and three and a half run stuffs, wasn't a bad day by any means, again, by the offensive line. But when you have stats like this, that's going to stick out. And we're going to nitpick a little here because we have to, uh, you know, it's been up and down for so. This is one of the down weeks and you hope you can uh, bounce back as the offensive line continues to, it looks to continue to play well. Yeah, it's like, it was a bad game, but it, at times for him, but it wasn't like a glaring bad one. Because mm-hmm. of, I think, the play of the offensive line as a unit. Yep. Um, and look, he's a rookie. He's been kind of out of the rotation here and there. Last few weeks, too, he dealt with a concussion for like about probably, what was that, like two weeks? A couple weeks, um, I think, yeah. So he's getting back in the swing of things. And like, sure, he lets up these pressures. But overall, like, you'll take what you can get from the offensive line as a unit. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, but my number three dud is Kyle Duggar, which feels a little weird because, as you've noted here, he has seven tackles. But um, I will defer to you for your breakdown on some of the things that stuck out to you because I can see these things from a different perspective in person, but Mm -hmm. a lot of different replay angles. I'll let you um, go at what you didn't like about Kyle Duggar because I know some things too. Obviously, like I said, different perspective on the field, but Mm -hmm. – a little bit of a weird game for him and not necessarily like a super bad one mm-hmm. in some ways, but it, it's hard to get a read on. Like it's kind of one of those does too. like in a different week, he's probably not a dud, but in mm-hmm. this week, you know, luckily there weren't a ton. So yeah, exactly. Which is like I said, talk about nitpicking. Is it just me? Or I feel like every time they may, maybe like Josh Allen just has, but I feel like the bills might have his number a little bit. It seems like every time the bills play the Patriots, Duggar seems to have like, there's always a Knox touchdown, or I think it was Knox that had the two point conversion against him. Um, or maybe that was, I can't think of the other tight ends name they were using a lot. Uh, but I don't know. To me, it just Dalton seems like, kid. yeah, thank you. Um, I don't know. To me, it just seems like anytime they play Buffalo, this is a matchup he struggles against, which is kind of weird because he's usually pretty good against every other tight end in the league or, you know, just matchup in general. But Buffalo, for some reason, seems to, I don't know if you feel the same way or you're any different there. Because I know obviously you're a, a big Duggar guy. I am too. But uh, like to me, the couple last couple of Buffalo games, it seems like he has struggled at times. Yeah, I've noticed it a little bit against Knox in the past, but nothing super glaring. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, like you said, just because I have him spoiler as my number one, um, you mentioned it seven tackles. I don't know. To me, just watching the game at home, the couple of replays they showed, it looked like like it, it seemed like he had missed at least three or four tackles during the game. Like poor technique at times. Um, the Latavius Murray play on third and fifteen where he goes for seventeen yards. Like you can't have that happen with Latavius Murray. Um, mm-hmm. like again, good good player, but the guy is past his prime at this point. Should not be yeah. able to rattle off seventeen yards against you. Um, he got bailed out by Juwan Bentley on the fourth and two breakup because Knox was open on that play. And then 
it was either one of them or both of the long balls to digs that he couldn't haul in uh, got beat on at least one of those two. So again, nitpicking here, not the greatest game from Duggar, but he's a guy you, you expect to bounce back because you know what he can do uh, when he's playing at a high level. I agree. I agree. Mm-hmm. Do you want to go to your number two dud because uh, you have the one guy I didn't? Yeah, we can do that. My number two, I had Tyquan Thornton, not the greatest stat line for him. One reception, one target, two yards, played just three snaps. And again, you know, give or take when you're playing DeMario Douglas more, they still want to put Devontae Parker out there for some reason. Um, someone's going to have to bite the bullet. It ends up being Thornton, which stinks because, again, we want to see this guy play. Um, you know, again, listening to Greg Bedard talk and watching the film, he said, you know, one of the few times Tyquan Thornton was out there, uh, ran the wrong route and seemed to get benched right after that. Again, we're looking to see more from Thornton. You kind of want to try to figure out what this guy is. And when you're running the wrong route, when you get such a a short amount of snaps and a small amount of snaps, like you can't be making these mistakes. So again, you hope he bounces back. You hope he gives you something. Uh, But right now I feel like Taekwon Thornton's kind of trending down, which is not great because again, it's a guy you want to see what you have in him. Yeah. And the reason, the reason I didn't put Thornton in mind is just because of the one target. Exactly. Uh, Yeah, that's true. Yep. It's like... (sighs) The more things change with Samario Douglas, the more they stay the same. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things where you wish they could just figure it out. Like That's what I mean. Like, too, if you have, I think, I don't know what Juju's status is, but, like, with him coming back, someone's going to have to take a backseat again. You hope it's not Thornton. You hope they take Juju the same route. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You hope they do the same thing they did with Parker and decrease the snap count, but I don't know if they're going to do that to two veterans. They might do it to one guy, but but not two. So again, with with Thornton not being able to figure some things out here in the early going, like you're starting to worry a little bit. But again, you you still want to see what you have in him. Yeah, uh, absolutely. But I just I don't I really don't know what to expect besides confusion uh, in the mm-hmm. future. Um, yeah, my number two was City Sal. We talked about him. Uh, my number one is a guy that I really haven't seen do anything this year. Um, and Very he had quiet, some yeah. contract disputes in the off season. I don't know if, what's, what's the deal with him, but one of those guys doesn't really do anything anymore. And I think Not it needs really, to be highlighted, yeah. you know, 29 snaps, 41% of them. It isn't like playing the whole game or anything, but like, I can't tell you one good thing I've seen Lawrence guy do this year. And maybe it's age. I don't know, but hmm. I think it needs to be highlighted that he's, you know, it's not very good anymore. Um, in a normal week, he's probably not the number one dud, but I think it's just worth highlighting here. Yeah, it is. It is very interesting because it's a good point you bring up. Like I can't same thing you said. Can't think of really one big play he's had this year. Maybe it's because I don't know if his snaps have decreased or what it is. I have to go back and look. Um, but yeah, this is a guy I feel like you can usually pencil in to have a, a pretty good game here and there, or do at least you know one or two notable things in the game. But really, really nothing so far this year, which kind of stinks because you like Lawrence guy. He's been good for them. Um, he has been asked pretty much to do whatever he's asked to do. Um, and this year, like you said, maybe the contract dispute is something that has kind of not boiled over, but you know what I mean? Like it's, it's affected his play a little bit, uh, which mm-hmm. sucks. Cause again, he's a guy you, you like to root for. Yeah. Not anymore. Really. It doesn't really uh, do nothing. So yep. what is next, Ryan? BC. There uh, you go. Uh, some of the takeaways from this game, and the first one I had was maybe Bill Belichick as he was getting his extension, uh, which was the big, well, I guess we'll touch on that really quick. I know a lot of people have made this a, a pretty big story, but I really didn't feel like there was a, a ton to talk about there unless you had any um, strong opinions about it other than like, okay, like I'm not a, a huge, myself personally, not a huge fan of committing to Bill Belichick long-term, but hey, maybe they made me, or he made me eat my words this past week beating the Bills. Um, 
But maybe as he was doing that contract extension, he listened to our show a little bit because last week uh, we asked for more Demario Douglas. We asked for less Devontae Parker because he's a loser and doesn't take accountability. Maybe Bill Belichick thought that as well. Because, uh, of course, as we said, Demario Douglas played the second highest number of snaps for a wide receiver outside of Kendrick Bourne. Uh, Devontae Parker saw his snap count bid into quite a bit, uh, 35 snaps. It was 80, uh, 58 excuse me, percent. That was the lowest he's had all season since being active in week two. The snaps have been as follows, 74, 55, 45, 53, and 45 again. Uh, so that number, yeah, pretty low there. And then other notable wide receiver snap count slash performances. The one that stinks, the one that Bill Belichick did not listen to us on is Kayshawn Booty was once again inactive, even though Juju was out. And then interesting, Jalen Rager, he was elevated again from the practice squad, uh, played 25 snaps for the third most for wide receivers and was actually just signed, of course, by the Patriots, I believe either yesterday or today. Uh, he takes Malik Cunningham's spot. So we talked about Douglas, but your thoughts about uh, a guy like Devontae Parker or again, not seeing Kayshawn Booty. I feel like this is just going to be the case with him. Like if he can't get in with Juju being out and they continue to go with Rager, who's been good. Um, I think he had a catch in this game. And then I think his blocking has been pretty good. A lot of people have been saying, uh, I feel like we're probably not going to see booty unless you start to see some injuries really pile up on this team, which kind of stinks. Yeah. I'm in the, I'm in the same camp and I want to say he should have to earn it because he sucked, but like, I also don't want to mm-hmm. see Devonte Parker out there. So true. Yep. He doesn't like, again. He very well could have found like the Douglas himself. I think he had maybe one, one target, no catch. If I had to pull up the the stats here and try to just one catch, I think. Yeah, I think he did. Yeah, you're right. He had the the uh, eight yard catch at the end of the game. So just huge. Took until the fourth huge quarter. Catch. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I mean, it did it did help the comeback, but again, like I was surprised yeah. to I was surprised. Like I we talked about it before. I, I kind of thought that you know Bill would just stick with his veteran guy, stick with the guys yeah. that you sign these big contracts to. And surprisingly, he didn't. So maybe a change of heart there, which is good to see. Yeah. And, you know, him starting to come around no, saying, like. No hope to come back was Ramondre Stevenson. And the run game was good. Zeke got in the end zone again. And Ramondre Stevenson got the ball, like, like four, five, six times in the final drive. Yeah, they so, started using him more in the passing game, too, which was good. And this is something we've kind of been waiting yeah, to see. He, but again. He might have had over 100 total yards or close. He might have. I got the stat sheet here. He had 34 yards on the ground and 51. So not quite, but Close. 85 is pretty good. Yeah, 80, I'll, I'll take more it like, again. More like older Ramondre to me. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that kind of goes into the next point. You know, you touched on it a little bit. You know, how the Patriots figured their offensive line out. It took them a couple weeks, a lot of uh, struggles. But it seemed like this, uh, you know, the five they put out there, Trent Brown at left tackle. Uh, Cole Strange was back, played really well. At uh, left guard, David Andrews, of course, at center, so at right guard. And then they finally, and maybe this is something I feel like you have called for in the past, uh, they put Michael Manu back at right tackle, something he, a position he has not played, I don't think, since his rookie it's season, if I, I remember reading. Year. Absolutely. Uh, and it worked really, really well. Again, the only, uh, the, the protection stats for Mark Daniels, Cole Strange had a hit allowed, uh, Trent Brown allowed one hit, and the only sack allowed was on Stevenson. Uh, and pass protection, and Elliott had a, uh, a hit as well in pass protection. So the offensive line for the first time, pretty much all season, looked really, really well. Take it, man. I mean, at this point, it's been patchwork a lot of this year. So just try it again. See if it works again. If it doesn't, unfortunately, you have to adapt. But at mm-hmm. some point, when it works, you got to find the one that works consistently. And the BC Absolutely. scored again. Ryan Leonard, first career goal. We love this. Find what works. And right now, this is what works. So mm-hmm. stay with it, please. Yeah, absolutely. And then the other 
quote that I found too I wanted to bring up was again Mark Daniels said quote the offensive line uh didn't allow a quarterback hit in the first half Jones wasn't hit until Jordan Poyer sacked him at the 519 mark of the third quarter so the old saying if it ain't broke don't fix it it's been broke for a long time but uh again as you said it, it seemingly has started to go in the right direction uh in kind of alluding to something we'll touch on in the Dolphins game coming up uh please don't change anything if these guys are all healthy to go this should be your starting lineup or your starting you know offensive line moving forward uh unless something drastic has to change because this this seemed to really work again mac jones praised it after the game uh, as you alluded to maybe taking a little bit of a shot but not a shot uh he said quote the offensive line especially just gave me the time i needed uh when i have time i can read the offense how we're supposed to and it really appreciate and i really appreciate those guys so look what look what it did for mac jones giving him some protection Crazy to think, you know, if the quarterback has more than a second and a half to throw the football, yeah. what it looks like out there. And the the Mac Jones defenders who were talking about protection are vindicated. We'll see how long it lasts. Um, yeah, I yeah. hope it lasts against these Miami Dolphins because do I. we had some we had some reason to believe that Tyree Kill's uh, status was in doubt, but he put that to bed saying he's good to go today. Mm-hmm. But the Patriots, regardless, remain. Nine and a half point underdogs. I saw 12 after the Bills game, uh, which is kind of nuts. Over-unders 47. Don't know how I feel about that. Um, Tua, still make the case. MVP favorite. Looking pretty good this year. Uh, Raheem Mm -hmm. Mostert, when he gets going, good luck stopping him. He's got nine touchdowns on the ground, 11 total. Tyree Kill could conceivably hit 1,000 yards in this game with 98 to go. Uh, Jalen Waddle's been heating up. And they like to throw the ball to Braxton Berrios and Durham Smythe a little bit. Um, I saw Javon Holland was uh, banged up. So that's guy to monitor. He leads them in tackles. He's got mm-hmm. also got two tackles for loss, uh, three pass deflections, and three forced fumbles. Uh, the stud from Oregon. Um, and their defense doesn't blow you away, but it's it's just it's solid when it's going, but it's not always going. Like Bradley Chubb's pretty good. Andrew Van Gingle's pretty good. Um, I'm, I haven't seen the latest on Jalen Ramsey's status, but I thought I heard he might come back. Um, okay. that complicates things a little bit. I saw that like a few days ago. I haven't seen anything since then. Um, but I didn't, I mean, I guess not seeing anything since then is good. So maybe mm-hmm. he doesn't play and maybe he waits next week. That'd be cool. Uh, we know what Christian Wilkins can do. We know what Xavier Howard can do. Justin Bethel, old friend, Manuel Ogba, uh, Jalen Phillips. They have a lot of guys, a lot of names. They don't always mm-hmm. show up and like show up, go crazy, but they have guys. So it's not a defense you can just roll over, but it's a defense you're going to need to roll over to some extent if the Falcons are scoring around 30 points, which they're capable of doing. So it's quite the Falcons. It's the, did I say the Falcons, the you Dolphins. Um, I don't know if the Falcons have scored 30 points all year. No, no, I don't know if they have. Uh-huh. Um, it's a much different outlook on this game after this week. Um, and just try and limit Tyreek Hill because maybe, just maybe, with the way J.C. Jackson uh, has been playing, he can do that a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling okay right now. Yeah, I mean, you're definitely feeling better than a week ago. I am too, so I'm not just going to say you're feeling better. Um, but obviously the Buffalo game, again, like the Buffalo game so weird to me because like I want to have hope for this team. I really do um, with, a, a, with a performance like that. But then again, you have Miami coming up here. Miami, they'll prove to be beatable. They got the crap kicked out of them by the Eagles on Sunday night football a game that they really were never in. Um, and of course, you know, now people are starting to think, you know, oh, the dolphins, are they legit? You know, their five wins have been against pretty bad teams. Their two losses have been against the bills and the Eagles. So what does that say about the dolphins? Like to me, that says they're a beatable team. 
And again, week two, you were right in this right up until the very end when you decided that the best play was to try to have your left guard pick up a first down. Um, you could argue that he did pick up the first down, but to each their own. The big thing for me, like, again, you're going to have to make, have guys make plays in this game. And the thing that stunk about, you know, the two bigger plays in that week two matchup, uh, Patriots got a sack from Matt Judon and a pick from Christian Gonzalez. Those guys are not going to play, obviously, in this game. So, like you said, you're going to have to look for J.C. Jackson to step up. I can't remember if Jonathan Jones played in that game or not. So maybe if I he's don't a guy, think so. I don't think he did. So maybe he's a guy that, you know, steps into that Gonzalez role um, and shuts down Tyreek Hill. Yeah, that was the game Gonzalez had to step up. Yeah. That's right. Yep. So I just answered my own question there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, some of the positives from that game as well. Ramondre Stevenson, maybe one of his better games of the season so far, 15 rushes, 50 yards and a touchdown. Would like to see him get going a little bit more. Uh, surprisingly, Devontae Parker was maybe the best receiver for the Patriots in this game, six receptions and 57 yards. I don't want to count on that again. Um, I would much rather see those targets and those catches go to Demario Douglas, who had just two for two and had the fumble, of course, where he was benched. Uh, so that's a big thing too, in this game is if he makes another mistake, don't bench him, play him yep. like you need this guy. He's your best weapon. Um, uh, so that's why I'm kind of curious to see what the dolphins do. If you know, Howard can go, if, um, Jalen Ramsey can go, what does that defense look like? Cause do you put. Ramsey on Demario Douglas? Do you put him on Kendrick Bourne? Like, I'm curious to see who the uh, Dolphins think of the, as the Patriots, you know, number one weapon on this team. Uh, but obviously, a lot to look forward to. And then, kind of the same things, you know, do they stick with what worked in Buffalo? Keep on one at right tackle. Uh, keep the snaps and touches up for Bourne and Douglas. Uh, keep Parker and, you know, Juju Smith Schuster off the field as much as possible. And then get Stevenson and Zeke going in this game and get them going mm-hmm. early. You know, obviously, Stevenson's had success in this this first matchup. Uh, Zeke, as you mentioned, just started to run the ball a lot better. Blades been getting into the end zone, um, so that's been good to see as well. Yes, yes. Um, I would imagine Howard is on Bourne and Ramsey gets Douglas because I guess I don't know. It just feels like coming off of uh, an injury, even though he's Jalen Ramsey, um, they'll just keep him to Douglas. Someone they feel like he can probably handle as a rookie. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Howard's a little fresher. Keep him on Bourne, who's showing he can, you know, do some damage at times this year when they use him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Javon Holland, I assume, will be on the tight ends a good amount. And yeah. um, But, you know, I don't think it'll be like all Howard on Bourne all day. All no, Douglas they'll switch the looks, they'll absolutely. Mix it around. Mix it around. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm feeling good. Like, I'm not, you know, Patriots are back, but it was an inspiring win. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to take something from it and make this game respectable. Right now, I'm of the belief that the Patriots are going to keep games close. Like, we're not going to see games like – after that, we're not going to see games like the Saints anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not going to lose the teams uh, like the Raiders they should beat. I'm a little more confident right now. And that could completely flip after um, – or on ne- next Thursday for the show. Absolutely, yeah. But right now, I'm feeling good. And I'm going 27-20 to 20 Dolphins. Yeah, I'm keeping it close too. I'm going to add one more or another field goal to that score for the Patriots and say 27-23. Um, like I said, look, you, you kept it close week two. Maybe again, that's just teams trying to work things out at the start of the year. Um, but you're arguably in a better spot this week. Like you said, Tyreek Hill is banged up now. Like you said, he's, he said he's going to play again. That decision comes down uh, to the coaching staff if he plays or not. But I doubt he's going to miss the game. Raheem Mostert, as you said, the injury report, I believe he's been banged up with an ankle. So, you know, he's not at 100%. Uh, Jalen Waddle is dealing with a back injury. So maybe you get him at, you know, 50, 75%. You get a chance with some of these guys banged up. Like I said, that Eagles game for the people that watched it, they beat up Miami. So they're going to come in mm-hmm. battered and bruised. Maybe they come in pissed off after getting their doors blown off. 
but the Patriots got to be riding high. Like I said, you hope they can continue to, uh, you know, feel good, take some of that into this game. And then the other thing too, obviously they didn't defer the Patriots themselves in that game, but if, you know, you win the coin toss, take the ball to start the game. Or if the Dolphins give it to you, take it down and score like you did against Buffalo. Obviously you saw what happened when they got out to a 10, nothing lead, started feeling good, started playing good up until of course that fourth quarter. Um, but if that happens again, like go down, score, set the tone. Don't be afraid to, you know, do the stupid. Oh, we're going to defer and then uh, try to score at the end of the first half and the beginning of the second, because that doesn't work anymore for the Patriots. Um, as we know, get the ball, score it, you know, like I said, build off of what worked in the Buffalo game and maybe keep this thing close and maybe squeak out a win and you're feeling really good about yourself heading into uh, the the following week. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. Um, I do think Tyreek Hill is going to play. Like he's yeah, going to play, he's going to. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and yeah, we're, we're in a whole different mindset than we expected a few weeks ago if they beat the Dolphins, too. Mm-hmm. Um, for of sure. course, you know, for a team battling their way up the standings, they want to make the playoffs, it means a lot. But it means a lot more when you're starting to do it against divisional teams. So absolutely, that yeah, just another extra importance. Yeah, another boost of confidence, too, to say, hey, we can not only stay with, you know, the big dogs in the in the league, we can beat teams in our division, so be very interesting to see moving forward. Yes, yes. Shall we get into week seven? Yes, yeah, so a um, wacky, uh, weird week that we did not do well at all on with no, our picks. I think no. I ended up going four and nine, was it? But Matt's probably wrong. I'm trying to find it in the outline. I went four and eight. You went three Wait, and nine. And was Wasn't it 13 games? You forget. Was one? it? Did I not? Oh, I must not have added. Uh, I don't think I put the Monday night game in. Oh, yes. I don't believe I did. But we lost that one, too, because we both picked the 49ers and the Vikings, surprisingly, won the game. So, yeah, not great. But we're still over 500. Um, I'm 64 and 42. You are 59 and 47 with those updated numbers. All right. right. So not terrible. Not terrible. Um, The one game I did watch besides the Patriots this week and Monday Night Football, Jaguars and Saints, we saw the Saints have life offensively, and that's mainly because of Alvin Kamara. Um, on the other side, you have Travis Etienne getting two touchdowns a week. Uh, Chris Olave getting a lot of targets before um, getting in a little trouble with the Popo. Um, 15 he targets. Fast. Yeah, he likes to go fast. And um, this doesn't really change much about the Jaguars for me. Doesn't yeah, really change of... much about the Saints either. I'm kind no, of it's just too... like, okay, game's yep. over. You know, we'll, we'll see what happens going forward, mm-hmm. but I didn't have like a come to Jesus moment about either of these teams from this game. So no, because I feel like this game was closer to probably again, like the Jaguars, I feel like that's going to be their MO. They should beat these teams pretty handily and they never seem to, they tend to struggle with the average to mediocre teams. Uh, like you said, I think the biggest thing from this game was the saints, as you mentioned, their offense showing life. And now, you know, can Kamara continue to be up on this pace where he's getting 17 rushes a game, 12 catches, you know, come out to what 29 targets or whatever it was or touches or, or something like that. So maybe spread the ball around a little bit more just for my fantasy sake. I would like Chris Olave to maybe haul in some more of these 15 targets. Uh, but you know, when Derek Carr's your quarterback, can't ask he's for a lot, I guess you. he's going to be yelling at you too. Yep, I saw a tweet that said, uh, Derek Carr really drove Henry Ruggs and Chris Olave crazy. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, that's rough. That but... was, that was wild. You know what mm-hmm. else was wild, Ryan? And I wish I watched this game. The Ravens beat the Lions 38 to 6. There's and one word I'm going to take away. Go ahead. Lamar Jackson played like an MVP again. He did. 21 to 27, 357, three touchdowns, no picks, nine carries, 36 yards, and a touchdown. 
Mark Andrews. The only thing I was Mark Andrews, Zay Flowers, Gus Edwards was involved. Yep. And this was a measuring stick game for both teams. And I'm not one of these people that's sour on the Lions now. What I am, however, is extremely bewildered by the result of this game. Absolutely. This is something, though, that I feel like is going to make the Lions better. With a Dan Campbell locker room, mm-hmm. they're actually going to start biting off kneecaps. Yeah, I feel bad for whoever they're playing. Uh, coming out. Somebody fairly easy, too, I want to say, in week uh, week eight. I got to look that up now because it's the other complete other end of the uh, the outline. Who do they have in week eight? Oh, they got the Raiders on, I believe, Monday Night oh, Football. God. So good luck to them. Yes, okay. uh, if there is, again, we struggled mightily with the picks last week. But if there is yes. one thing I'm going to take away, one win I'm going to take away, is that Sal Stradamus made his return oh, uh, in saying, yeah, don't I, again, don't get me wrong. I'm with you. I'm not sour on the Lions by any means. I like the Lions. They've been very fun to watch this year. Uh, but as I said last week, the Ravens going to come in and say, hey, just slow down there, guys. You're not uh, you're not there yet. And this is absolutely what happened. Like you said, Lamar, with some questions and some doubters this season so far, because he's had, he's had an up and down year. Uh, he played excellent in this game. I think he silenced quite a bit of doubters, uh, Jersey Jerry included, for those who watch the uh, sports advisors oh, yeah. saying that he's not a good quarterback um, and he stinks. Yeah. Not a great look there after uh, this performance. No, man, that was it was an FU performance from the Ravens. Absolutely. We'll see how they carry it forward. Um, another FU performance for a team in a much different state was the this Bears. The Bears beat the Raiders 30 to 12. They pulled out a couple of these blowouts in the last few weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bears are weird. Scrappy question mark. Definitely scrappy. Okay. Weird. I'm I'm putting them in a weird category because it is not weird that they beat the Raiders. I'm a little surprised this game wasn't gross though. Yeah, I maybe mean, it was gross. I don't know, but from the score, I'm talking gross. Ryan and Hoyer's close. play was gross. Not gross, yeah, that, like yep. you know. Weird game. I, gotcha. yep. I guess, but I didn't watch it, so I'll defer to you. Yeah, I mean, I caught most of this, you know, they were showing the highlights on red zone. It was mainly Dante Foreman highlights because he was excellent in this game. 16 rushes, 89 yards, and two touchdowns on the ground. Uh, three catches, five targets, 31 yards, and a touchdown in the air. So, again, I'm going to take it back to fantasy football purposes. For someone who was burned by a performance like this numerous times last year at the end of the season, uh, don't expect this again from Dante Foreman. I feel like his MO is, you know, have a game like this, and then he's going to come out next week. Although I think Roshan Johnson is back, so maybe uh, they're not going to use Foreman as much. Um, but a game where he'll probably come out and do nothing in the next one. But again, I don't know what Josh McDaniels is doing. I feel like he's coaching to get fired at this point. Cause I don't know why you would have started Brian Hoyer when you had Aiden O'Connell ready to go. Um, strange decision there obviously didn't work out. Hoyer was horrible as expected two picks, a quarterback rating of 37.1 uh, O'Connell wasn't terrible. Wasn't great. 10 for 13, 75 yards and a touchdown when he did come into the game. So that was kind of the big question mark for me is you have this young kid ready to go. Why do you continue to throw the corpse of Brian Hoyer out there? Just does not make any sense to me. Um, and then Chicago's defense was pretty good as well. Three picks, uh, two from Jalen Johnson, one from Tremaine Edmonds, nine pass deflections, three quarterback hits, uh, and two tackles for losses. Again, maybe not the most impressive stat line when the quarterback you're facing for the most part is Brian Hoyer, but the Bears are rolling a little bit. Nice win without uh, without Justin Fields. Yeah, uh, Tyson Badger versus Brian Hoyer. Don't you love it? Jalen mm-hmm. Johnson played so good, they started extension talks with him. So, wow. good for good him. For that guy. Um, yeah. Jalen Johnson has always been good, though, I think. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, Josh McDaniels is a weird guy. You'd think, you know, we saw so much of, you know, Brian Hoyer as the savvy veteran backup. They'd probably do that here, but mm-hmm. um, maybe Aiden O'Connell's just not ready in their mind. Um, Bears win. This game was arguably more shocking than the Lions Ravens game. Browns 39, Colts 38. Was that Sporagami? I didn't look. I don't that know. Has to be. It's, I'll tell you, it's an over I never would have bet on, that's for sure. <laughs> I mean, you please tell me you watched this a little bit because I have no idea what really happened in this game, and I am I am jarred by what happened. I did. Miles Not Garrett. Not Sporagami. No, that's a, um, 39 to 38 happened three times before, most recently on December 10th, 2017. Wow. Um, okay. It's a funny score. Um, break this one down for me because I, I need I need details. I will try my best. Uh, the main takeaway was Miles Garrett was an absolute beast. Nine tackles, two sacks, two quarterback hits, a tackle for a loss, a forced fumble that was recovered in the end zone for a touchdown for the Browns. And he jumped the line on a block punt. Uh, which also led to a Cleveland score, I believe. Their defense, uh, although giving up 38 points, he was very good in this game. Um, the defense oh. as a whole had four sacks and five quarterback hits, five tackles for losses, three pass deflections, two forced fumbles, three fumble recoveries, um, and a touchdown. The Tony Fields was the guy that picked the ball up in the end zone off of uh, Garrett's strip sack. So you're telling me that Miles Garrett owns the Indianapolis Colts and part of the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers now? He does, yes. In this game... On this Sunday, he absolutely did. I mean, he almost he, single-handedly won this game himself. He is maybe the most physically imposing defensive player we've ever seen. <laughs> like, I can't imagine. Again, he, when they, he was doing the look, crossover at the on the line again. I can't imagine being a, an offensive lineman standing across from that, being like, holy crap, this guy is basically not taunting, but he's coming to get me, look, and there's probably nothing I can do to stop him. We've seen Vince Wilfork play football. We've seen Richard Seymour play. We've seen J.J. Watt. We've seen Primer and Donald. We've seen T.J. Watt. We've seen Terrell Suggs, big dude. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we've seen somebody as powerful and terrifying as Miles Garrett, he's, at he's least ridiculous. in the last decade. Mm-hmm. He he is an absurd human being. Mm-hmm. Um, just absolutely ridiculous performance. Um and it's it's jarring to watch him play. This is another one I wish I could have watched, but of course, mm-hmm. you know, um, was at Gillette Stadium. Yep. What what a game! Like this is one I almost want to like find. Go back and yeah, yeah, like go watch the game, like see what happened here because thirty nine to thirty eight is not a very common score. Uh, no, I mean it was crazy too. There. They had. I think the other one of the bigger storylines too is I think Deshaun Watson obviously dealing with a shoulder injury. He came back. I think started the game like 0 for five or 0 for, or I think he either started 0 for five or finished one for five. Uh, got concussed in the game. Apparently clear concussion protocol, and then they chose not to bring him back. Ended up working pretty well because again PJ Walker came in, didn't play terrible, um, but it was really Cleveland's ground attack. Jerome Ford, although hurt now, uh, he had 11 rushes, 74 yards and a touchdown. Kareem Hunt had 10 rushes. 31 yards and a touchdown, and Pierre Strong, of course, former Patriot, chipped in as well. And then if you're on the Colts side of things, you finally got to see a little bit of vintage Jonathan Taylor. He split time again with uh, with Zach Moss. Both had 18 rushes, uh, but Taylor finished with 75 yards, a touchdown, and three receptions for 45 yards. So he is starting to look like he is back up to speed and, and playing pretty well. So if there's one positive takeaway from this Colts game, um, a game again where Miles Garrett almost single-handedly beat an entire team, uh, it is that Jonathan Taylor seems to be back 
uh, and playing pretty well. And Gardner Minshew played well again outside of the three fumbles that were all lost that he had, uh, two rushing touchdowns and two passing touchdowns as well. And Josh Downs. Josh Downs. And Josh Downs continues to look very – yeah, so he's lost right over him, continues to play very, very well, and is looking like a legitimate threat in their passing game. Indeed. Um, Giants 14, Commanders 7. Gross, this was your gross, gross game. Gross. Yep. Yes. Um, Giants defense showed up. Six sacks, 12 QB hits, six pass deflections, t- tech for loss, and a pick. Um, from Deontay Banks, who has looked awesome this year. Um, Saquon, haven't seen that in a while from Saquon. Mm-hmm. Vintage Saquon, 21 rushes, 77 yards, uh, three catches and a touchdown. And again, the big thing for uh, fantasy football purposes for those out there is Darren Waller. He finally breaks out. He has a pulse. He is alive. Uh, seven catches, eight targets, 98 yards, and a touchdown. Finally found the end zone as well. Um, Tyrod Taylor was good again. Maybe making the case that if Daniel Jones is back healthy, maybe ride it out with Tyrod Taylor just another week or two to get him fully back up to speed. Uh, that, of course, being Daniel Jones, but the Giants probably won't do that. They owe that guy a lot of money. Um, and then Chase Young had a great day, but it ended up going to waste. Two sacks, three tackles, uh, three tackles for losses, and two quarterback hits. He tried to do his best uh, Miles Garrett impression, and it ended up falling just short. Yes. Um, but uh, this is... Not super surprising from two of the worst teams in no, the absolutely not. Um, a sixteen to thirteen Falcons final is just makes perfect sense in a game against the, this Tampa Bay Bucks team. They're another team, like you said, with Denver last week. I think it was uh, the Falcons, not the greatest team, but they I feel like they tend to bring everybody down that they play against too. Like these are going to be the games that they're always in field goal games, you know, one score games till the end of the uh, till late. Like it's going to come down. I feel like a lot of their games to young way. who was great in this game. Obviously had the 50 yard uh, game winner. Desmond Ritter had another, you know, up and down performance, three fumbles. He lost all of those. Uh, so he was not great in this game. Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Rashad white all had solid days for the bucks, but they all end up going to waste. Um, and an interesting kind of tidbit in this game, Bijan Robinson was apparently dealing with a headache or an illness. Uh, I don't know if the NFL is still looking into, you know, why the Falcons didn't put him on the injury report leading up to this game. Uh, but Tyler Algier and Cordell Patterson ended up, you know, playing well in his absence, 21 rushes and 59 yards to go along with three receptions and 53 yards for Algier. Uh, and Patterson factored in with 10 rushes and 56 yards as well. Yeah. The Bijan thing was weird. Um Seems like they uh, they screwed that one up <laughs> a little bit, but it does it really surprise you with the Falcons? It. Like no. this is just, it's just a uh, very dysfunctional franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, Steelers twenty four, Rams seventeen. Kenny Pickett scored a rushing touchdown without a single yard. Yep, at the end one of the, of the weirdest day. stat lines you will see. Yeah, eight yes. rushes, no yards, and a touchdown. Yes, Deontay Johnson came back. Um, the running game stepped up for the Rams in place of, uh, what's his face? Kyron Williams. Mm -hmm. And, uh, the Steelers took care of business, which I didn't expect. No, this was one of the many, as I said, surprises of the week, not the biggest of course, uh, but, but definitely up there. Cause again, you don't expect, especially with the Rams at home, uh, the Steelers to come in and pretty much take care of business. Uh, especially when they held Cooper cup and check just two catches on 29 yards. I feel like this is how this is going to go this year for the Rams. Maybe both guys, if they, you know, the Rams get lucky. Uh, both Cup and Nakua will go off at the same time, but I feel like for the most part, it's going to be one or the other. This is the Puka Nakua week, eight catches, 154 yards, 
uh, looking like he did at the start of the season. And then TJ Watt had a pick that ended up helping Pittsburgh seal the deal as well. Uh, but yeah, the big takeaway for the Steelers, of course, is Najee Harris had some life. Uh, 14 rushes, 53 yards, and a touchdown. So that was good to see for their offense uh, going forward. Yeah, you'd think they'd want to do a little more, uh, get a little more consistency going with Najee Harris given the first yep. round pick status. But that's not always the case with the Steelers. And that's okay, I guess, if they want to do that. Yep. Um, Mike Tomlin always finds a way to be over 500. So um, that's true. <clears throat> Seahawks 20, Cardinals 10. Jackson Smith and Jigba, first career touchdown. Jake Bobo, maybe first as well. Um, always funny to have a guy named Bobo. Mm-hmm. Um, Kenneth Walker, 26 carries, a little banged up going into. Yeah, now he's got a calf injury. Eight. Great. Yep. Um, not what I need. Nope, um, I'm in the same boat you are. The part of my take, guys, made a good point, I think, last week about Josh Dobbs. You think he was probably hoping like two or three weeks ago that was it for him? Because now it's the, the wheels are starting to fall off a little bit. Yeah, so the shine has worn off completely. Probably like, yeah, this is cool. You know, four or five decent games, you know, get Mm -hmm. a win in there. Now it's kind of falling off. You're like, ah, you know, it's it's piling up a little bit here. Um, The defense was strong for Seattle in a low-scoring game. They also added Frank Clark um, a couple days ago. Yep. The early favorite was the Chiefs, and they didn't get him, so that stinks. Um, Hate to see it. Hate to see it. Good veteran presence for them. You know, I think that's a team that could definitely use some, you know, has a good pass rush, but um, can definitely use some depth there. Makes them, makes it a little better. And uh, the Seahawks take care of business in a game they should have won. Yeah, absolutely. The only thing that surprised me is they didn't win by more. Because, again, the Cardinals, I think, at this point, like you said, with uh, Dobbs starting to fall off a little bit, Cardinals should probably turn to tank mode. But uh, it looks like Kyler Murray is probably going to be back sooner rather mm-hmm. than later. I think he's been practicing. Yeah. I don't think they've cleared him off of IR yet, so there's obviously that. Uh, hurdle to still jump over, but did you see the video back. when he was like on the field for the first time? The social media admin was like, "We missed you." Like she said it I like very centrally. Did not to him. see that. That's weird. And he's like, look "I miss." Up. He's like, he's like, "Yeah, I missed y'all too." She's like, "We missed you." I was like, "That's whoa, creepy. like that." <laughs> yeah, to take it easy. Yeah, keeping your pants. Not a fan um, of Joshua Dobbs, I guess. Jeez, um, maybe she's a big fan of Kyler Murray. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Um. This is one game I'm glad I didn't see because yes, I don't yeah. enjoy watching didn't watch a of second these teams. of this. Yep. Uh, Broncos 19, Packers 17, field goal game, gross game. Mm-hmm. Any additional insight? Not really. Second Again, up. just as you said last week, I uh, alluded to this week, the Broncos continue to bring everybody down with them. Uh, the only thing, again, uh, that was good about this one was Javante Williams. This was, it seemed like for a couple games, couple teams, couple players, uh, they bounced back to life performance. Javante Williams finally looked like his old self, 15 rushes and 82 yards for him. Uh, but other than that, again, didn't watch a second of this game because I didn't want to. It was gross. Gotta be honest, Ryan, I don't really blame you. Um, Chiefs 31, Chargers 17. This was a, an opportunity for the Chargers to say mm-hmm. something to the league, and they did not do so. Patrick Mahomes, quietly winning games this year, had that first dropping dick on the other team, Patrick Mahomes game of the season, 32 of 42, 424 yards, four touchdown passes, a pick, four carries, 29 yards, and connected with Kelsey 12 of 13 times for 179 yards and a touchdown. So blows my mind that people were a little lukewarm on the Chiefs for just quietly taking care of business. Consider this your reason to be afraid. 
Yeah, I mean, they look like they are figuring some things out because um, I feel like a lot of their games to start the year was their defense. Not wasn't saving them by any means, but I feel like they were winning more on their defense, which is crazy to say when you get the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, to me, it feels like the Chargers are, are their get-right game. It seems like Mahomes and Kelsey, for whatever reason, the Chargers can't figure out how to stop those two guys. It's, it seems like Kelsey always goes for at least 10 and like 120 against the Chargers. I, I don't get what it is. I don't know why they can't stop him or figure it out. Yeah, yeah, there was that as well. Um, but I mean, that game was maddening to watch, especially the second half. It seemed like every time you looked up, uh, Kelsey was just standing in the middle of like four Chargers wide open. They didn't want to cover him. Uh, it's tough to cover him, of course, as great as a player as he is. But I mean, this is just typical Chargers. They kept this game close. And then when the floodgates opened in the second half, there was just nothing they could do to stop it. Uh, Justin mm. Herbert was not good in this game. Austin Eckler is starting to scare me again from you know fantasy purposes. Uh, he was not good in this game for a second straight week. And then Keenan Allen was not great either. He was outperformed by Josh, uh, yeah, Josh Palmer. Um, that was where the one bright spot for the Chargers is he had another good game. Yeah, now he's hurt a little bit. Um, yeah. Chargers going Charger. This was an opportunity uh, to say something they didn't. I don't blame them because the Chiefs are good, but um, a missed opportunity for them. For and sure. the seat gets a little hotter, I think, for Brandon Staley. Not because of any crazy decisions that I don't know about that he may or not have may or may not have made, but um, this this has been hot. This seat's been hot for a little bit, um, as it should be. He's not a smart head coach. Game of the year, going into it, I'd say at least so mm-hmm. far, did it deliver on the game of the year so far? I feel like that's always, and again, I think maybe it was Jersey Jerry that said this on advisors, but I think he said something along the lines of like, this is a game where you you get hyped up for, and then the game stinks, or like, it's not what you expect. And maybe he could see the future, because that's that was kind of the case. Like I said, when we were leading up to the Dolphins preview or during the Dolphins preview, they got beat up and thrown around in this game like they weren't even there. And again, it was, I think, another case of maybe the Dolphins the aren't as good team. as everyone thinks they are. Finesse uh, they, team. Would you say a finesse team? Finesse team. Okay. All right. Um, you going to elaborate on that anymore? Or they're a finesse team. That's a finesse team gets bullied in that game. They okay. got bullied. All right. From, I was what, from just, all accounts, just for the listeners that didn't know what this you is were from what you said, that. and from an outsider perspective, as somebody who was um, who didn't see much of it due to mm-hmm. you know travel home. Um, I just don't even remember. I think like I think I was so tired when I got home. I don't really just I just don't really remember much. I was just on the couch for a little bit, and then I just mm-hmm. went to bed. Um, sitting in like five hours of traffic just trying to get out of Gillette yeah I don't know what I caught for much of this it didn't take that long to get out honestly which is kind of nice that's Um, surprising but yeah the Eagles get it done big test of the Eagles big test of the Dolphins um Mm -hmm. definitely a measuring stick game no matter how you look at it um we'll see how the Dolphins respond to it coming into um the Patriots in Miami sure last game of the week Vikings 22 49-17 Brock Purdy is struggling without all of his shiny toys. Trending down and looking and more, Sam and more Darnold, like a seventh round pick. And Sam Darnold might play this weekend. Dude, Brock I think Purdy's he's going injury. to. I think they said he's still got a, dealing with a concussion being Brock Purdy. I don't think he's going to be cleared to play. So uh doesn't get any easier for a 49ers yeah. team that after looking, you know, as dominant as they have, uh, they have started to crack quite a bit and it has not been pretty these last couple of weeks. And it might Ryan. not be pretty this week against Cincinnati. No quarterback randomly drops a 370-yard game when you're not quite expecting it more than Kirk Cousins. Like Kirk Cousins, yeah, absolutely. Especially in prime time, too. Like, 
That's is not that, Kirk yeah. Cousins is yeah, that's his bugaboo. For sure. Definitely his bugaboo. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, um, he was good in this game, as you said. Uh, Hawkinson was good, and this was, again, following in suit with, you know, some breakout performances from the week. Jordan Addison has arrived, uh, seven mm-hmm. catches, 123 yards, and two touchdowns, filling in very nicely now uh, for the injured, of course, Justin Jefferson. Yeah, he's pretty good. Pretty, he pretty good. Um, him and Jefferson were going nuts on the sideline. Um, week eight picks. Bucks and Bills tonight, not too long from now. I am going with the Bills. I think this game is going to be close. I think the Bucks will cover, but I think the Bills will win. I do too. The Bills you know, just need a, uh, a get-right performance after a couple of slow weeks and, of course, a uh, probably to them a pretty demoralizing loss to the Patriots, especially when they're in that game right up at the end. And then, again, we'll root for it, but if you're a Bills fan or Bills player, you can't be happy with letting Mac Jones and the Maybe. Patriots walk right down the field and score on you at the end of the game. Uh, so. Again, short week two, I'm not expecting a blowout. I feel like a lot of these Thursday night games are always pretty close, um, gross games. I'm taking – if I was betting this game, I'd take the under as well. I'm going with you. Close game, uh, but a Bills win. Yes, yes. If they lose this game, though, is the sky falling in Buffalo, you think? Yes. Yeah, I think so, too. Yes. I think you're going to start to see some pretty worried uh, – some people are in Buffalo. A little bit, a little bit. Um, Texans and Panthers, CJ Stroud and Bryce Young square off for the first time. and. Ooh. As the you know season has gone, I'm going with the trend here, and I'm not picking against the Texans. Yeah, don't be stupid. Take the Texans. Panthers, I know, coming off a bye, so maybe they've had some extra time to figure some things out, try to break this 0-6 start. Uh, but the Texans are all around the better team. C.J. Stroud is all around the better quarterback. Uh, I'm taking the Texans as well. Yes, don't overthink it. Saints and Colts, gross. Yes, it gross, is. Gross, 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 gross. Just give me the Colts. Can't I can't pick the Saints. It's kind of out of disrespect. I hate yeah, I can't. Team. Uh, I'm fully on board with you after these last couple of weeks. Gardner Minshew's the best backup quarterback in the NFL. Uh, I'm going to take him all day, twice on Sundays over Derek Carr, who I can't stand. Uh, you know, maybe there'll be some questions surrounding Chris Olave, but this doesn't really seem to be. I feel like he's probably got that situation figured out um, and settled. So I'm going to go with the Colts as well. Better all-around team, in my opinion, at least. Yeah. I played for the Saints. It's pretty funny. Um, Rams and Cowboys. This is interesting. I went back and forth on this one, but I'm going with the Rams. This just feels like a type of matchup that the Cowboys find a way to lose because of Mike McCarthy. I could see that. Home. Yeah, I could see that. Absolutely. Uh, but I'm going to like, I Sean McVay, Sean McVay, baby bump. Okay. All right. Baby coaching bump. They, they don't talk about that one. Fair enough. Put it out there. Um, Okay. Uh, I was going to say, I know I went against, you know, I joke with the Panthers Well, they're coming off a bye. Maybe they figure some things out. No, I'm going to do the opposite. I'm going to say that that for the Cowboys coming off a bye, I think they'll figure some things out, particularly their red zone problems. Um, I think they win this. I think this game will be close, uh, but I think the Cowboys find a way to squeak it out in the end. Very well could see them finding a way to lose it though, as you said, because obviously Sean McVay could very well easily coach circles around uh, McCarthy if he wanted to. Yep. Um, This one's easy. Even at Lambeau, you got one team trending up, one team trending down. You know, you might want to go against your gut here. Not me. I'm going with the Vikings over the Packers. I went back and forth on this one, um, but I'm going to go with the Vikings again. Their offense is starting to click a little bit. Their defense still struggles at times, but the Packers just have not looked good over the last couple weeks. Jordan Love needs to figure some things out. Um, You know, until they get Aaron Jones back 100%, like that offense has not been great. So I'm going to go with the Vikings, as you said, the hotter team right now. 
Yes, yes. Uh, Patriots, Dolphins, we know the answer. Dolphins, unfortunately, would be close. Jets and Giants, I'm going with the Jets. Just can't pick the Giants. Um, I want not to, really but a I... ton to like about that team right now. Yeah, I wanted to, but I just I can't see them stringing together a couple of wins here and there. And again, the Jets coming off a bye. Uh, they've mm. looked like the better team of late. I know the Giants just came off a win, of course. Uh, but better weapons on that Jets team. Um, and of course, much better defense. Yep, agreed. Falcons and Titans. Titans need this game. They traded Kevin Byard uh, to the Eagles, which is tough. Maybe they're tearing it down a little bit. Maybe yep. Derrick Henry will be a Raven. That seems to be the hot rumor. Uh, but wild. This is a game at home that Mike Vrabel wins against the Falcons. Desmond Ritter gets outcoached. Arthur Smith gets outcoached. Um, this is a game the Titans win. I could feel it. Even with with Will Levis, the quarterback, I thought I saw that yes. he is probably going to start this game. You're okay. I'm going to yes. go with the Falcons. And I'm I hate go with the Will Levis, so that says something. I know you do. That's why I asked. Uh, I, I'm surprised they're going with him. It's like They must just hate Malik Willis. I don't know. They're going to play Malik Willis a little bit, but it's kind of like, I think it comes down to like, you just drafted Will Levis. True. Like, yeah, you're going to play him at some point. He's you- one of those, like, not like NFL ready guys, but like, He's not like an Anthony Richardson or like a Malik Willis where you need some time to work on some things. He's more yeah. of like a pro ready immediately guy, not like amazing, but like has the better. He's a floor type of quarterback than a ceiling guy. So I think that mm-hmm. factors into it. And, you know, you spent a second round pick. You want to start to see some of that uh, return on your investment. So true. Um, I was going to say that I remember remembered wrong though. My I was going to say my one of my bold predictions in the, when he starts this game will hit, but Malik Willis has not started a game yet. Of course, if people remember my bold prediction for the Titans was that at least uh, one game will be started by each of the three quarterbacks they have. But Malik Willis was uh, brought in in relief of Tannehill last or two weeks ago, so that's not going to hit there. I'm taking the Falcons. Um, look, the buyer trade I think is signaling the beginning of the end for the Titans. I know they got a decent uh, player in Edmonds back. I think it was who uh, was traded back to them. Uh, but Falcons, I think they're riding high right now. Um, I think they're probably maybe the better all around team and I'm not sold on Will Levis. I'm not going to bet on a rookie quarterback until I'm proven otherwise. Uh, so I think this is going to be a learning curve game from him. He might struggle at times. And I think the Falcons squeak out a close one. Yeah, I could see it as much as I, you know, think this is a game that Vrabel wins for the Titans. I could see Will Levis throwing like three picks. So. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a game that the quarterback could very well lose. This could very well come down to a young way coup versus Nick Folk type of performance too. like whichever kicker out duels the other one, both having pretty good season so far. Um, and both obviously huge parts of their struggling offenses. Yes. Yes. Jaguars and Steelers. I kind of look at this as a similar type of matchup to the Steelers previous matchup with the Rams. Kind of, mm-hmm. I kind of, I think this is going to be like a similar game. Like, one team wins by like six or seven points. Very close. Not super yeah. high scoring, a little close. I mean, a measuring stick game in a different regard because, you know, the, the Steelers are – it's not guaranteed they make the playoffs. It's not for the Rams too, but, you know, the Rams got Puka Nakua, Cooper Cup back. You know, they're they're on the upswing a little bit, I'd say, even though they lost the Steelers. Uh, Matthew Stafford's playing pretty good this year. But, I don't know, I got like, I got, I've got like similar vibes here. I'm pretty sure I picked the Rams last week, so I'm going with the Jaguars here and uh, picking against the Steelers again, maybe to uh, my downfall. The Steelers, the Steelers are the weirdest four and two team in the league. They are because they're they're yeah, not they're good not enough. Four and two team. Two. No, they're There's not. not. Uh, I was going to say that uh, you're going to pick against them to light a fire under them again. 
Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they listen. Maybe maybe TJ's listening. Maybe. That'd be two people be in a row. Bill Belichick last well, week, TJ Watt this bully week. Food. Um just every sitting here right TJ, now. Think, every time I think of TJ, I think of JJ. Fair enough. Not his brother. They go hand in, oh. Bully food. <laughs> yeah. Um, look, I sitting here, I wanted to – I was thinking, I'm like, this. we just talked about the Jaguars being a weird team. Looking at this more and more, I'm like, this is very well a game that they should win but very well could lose. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me if they do lose. But like I said, the Steelers, they look good with Deontay Johnson back last week. He is most likely out again. I think he tweaked his hamstring in practice, didn't practice today, so that's not boding well for them. Um, they did figure out their run game a little bit, of course, but the Jaguars, you know, Travis Etienne's been excellent. I feel like he could very well run over that team. Uh, Christian Kirk's been great of late. So I'm going to go with the Jaguars. This, I feel like, has all the writings of a like, disgusting game, though, that you don't really want to watch because neither one of these teams is going to do anything too great in it. Again, the Jaguars should because there should be a good team, but... This to me feels like a game they they slip up in, but I am gonna pick them. Yeah, it kind of does, dude. I don't They're know. talking to taking the Steelers. No, no, okay. I can't do it. Eagles, Commanders. The Commanders kept it close last time. I think the Eagles are gonna remember that and blow doors, wallop them. Yep, blow we've doors. Seen, we've Eagles seen what the, the we've seen what the offensive line looks like for the Commanders. We've seen what the defensive front looks like for the Eagles. Yeah. Wrap Sam Howell and ball wrap and just hope and pray. Might be ugly. Um, Mm -hmm. Browns at Seahawks. Really wanted to pick the Browns here. but I did too until I found out Watson. I can only give PJ Walker so much credit. Yep. I got to pick the Seahawks. Gut pick. Mm -hmm. Um, Ravens and Cardinals. This is one you can't overthink. Could this be a letdown spot for the the Ravens? (laughs) Very well could be. This screams trap game. It sure could be. Yeah. But no, no, I, I, I can't in good conscience say it will be. I'd feel better if Kyler Murray was playing again. Don't know when he's due back. Um, but like you said, the, the shine on Dobbs has worn off completely. Uh, he very well could be running for his life in this game. I think he will be because uh, the Ravens have obviously proven quite a bit these last couple of weeks. Lamar could very well play at an MVP level again and probably yes. should against this defense. Um, and I expect a big game from Zay Flowers because he's been great of late. Um, and the, the Cardinals really secondary is him. not good. So not a lot to cover. Nope. Um, Chiefs Broncos Chiefs. Yep. Real I here. can't not doing it. I've bet against this or picked against the Chiefs rather the last two weeks. I have fallen on my face doing it both with the Vikings and Chargers. Uh, there's no way the Broncos beat them in this game, especially uh, going off of last time when, again, I stupidly took the 200 plus yard bet for Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes and Russ dumb. had 86 yards in the fourth quarter. Dumb, so, dumb, dumb. Not, not getting burned on that again. Bengals 49ers. I think the spiral continues. I think the swagger is in the process of being reacquired for the Bengals and they win this game. I'm right there with you. I had the 49ers until it, was uh, noted that Brock Purdy's dealing with a concussion, as we said, probably going to miss this game. I can't feel comfortable about having Sam Darnold be the starting quarterback and beating the Bengals. This is a team I feel like talking about all these teams coming off of buys uh, and figuring some things out. This screams like get right Bengals out to prove something off a of buy. They're going to come out, not blow doors. This will be a competitive game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think a, a surprise win here for the Bengals. Yes. And like you said, they start to start rolling, feel good about themselves here. It's a surprise win that shouldn't be a surprise win because the Bengals were Super Bowl contenders coming in. But Ryan, something I'm monitoring in this game is a potential unfamiliar face for Sam Darnold to have to deal with. I saw that uh, Miles Murphy, the first-round pick of the Bengals, the edge rusher, might be getting an increased workload 
So maybe okay. a breakout game for him. Um, very good edge rusher out of Clemson. So watch out for Miles Murphy. Maybe we'll see we'll see more of him. Um, Bears and Chargers, perhaps a Khalil Mack revenge game. Oh, perhaps um, I didn't even think of that. Yes, it's very weird to see the Chargers at two and four and the Steelers at four and two. Um, feel like those should be flipped, but yep. the Chargers get in their own way. I really wanted to pick the Bears in this game. I really wanted to be a sicko in this game. Yeah, would the wild. Bears. I think this is like a, a field goal margin of victory for the Chargers. Yeah, this is a game they should blow doors and they're not going to. Like, it should be a get-right game for the Chargers. They're going to struggle in this game because of the Chargers. And like you said, they can't get out of their own way. Um, I'm going to pick them. I'm not going to feel good about it. Like, if there was I'm an upset either. of the week to be had, I could very well see it being Bears over Chargers. But especially, I don't think, actually, no, I think Justin Fields is playing. So scratch that. Um, but I'm going to stick with the Chargers, at least for one more week. If they lose this one, I, I don't know what to do with them anymore. Him. Yeah, absolutely. Got to fire him. Now I kind of um, hope they do lose this game because I want the Chargers to be good. I like Justin Herbert. I like Austin Eckler. I like yeah. Keenan Allen. Brandon Staley, such like, coach. Brandon, Brandon Staley is such like an offensive coordinator or assistant coach. He's just not yep. a head coach. No. Um, you know who's not, not head coach it. either, Ryan? It's Josh McDaniels. No, he's and not. I hope, I hope the Lions beat them so bad that Josh McDaniels somehow gets fired. I think they're going to. You summed it up perfectly talking about uh, Dan Campbell, you know, biting kneecaps and everything, not happy with the performance against the Ravens. This screams like 20-point blow at least. Like the Lions are out to prove something. Uh, you get another week of Josh uh, Josh Gibbs, of uh, Jameer Gibbs being the lead back. He was great last week. Uh, I think he'll continue that against a, a pretty bad Raiders defense. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown's probably going to destroy them in the air as well. And Jared Goff will bounce back and look like the Jared Goff we've come to see uh, over the last you know year and a half for the Lions, so they win this game very easily. Another another horrible Monday night football game. Yeah, it's gonna be bad. Um, All I the primetime games I, this week suck. Like, I really just want to see the Lions win by like forty. That'd be pretty cool. I would. They very that. well could. They could yeah turn the tide and throw a uh, a big blowout. Whatever the I can't remember the score now. The, the Ravens game thirty eight to six or whatever it was could very well flip the script and do that against the Raiders. Uh, yeah, totally. Um, Ryan, it's basketball season. The Celtics are back. The Celtics, yes. Give, as giving you heart totally attacks. Made. And the Bruins yep. scored on the they power did. That play. Was a, it was a weird looking goal. Finally. Uh, yeah. Radko Gudis scored first. My Prompting my dad to ask me if he was in taken two. I'm, I'm imagining that's because he might look like one of the henchmen. Uh, one of the um, we could definitely see him being a goon in a movie. Um, if you ever seen what Radko like Gudis looks like. Um, that goal did not look like it was meant. This looks like it was. I don't know if you have it the same speed that I have it on my TV, but that looked like a whiff and a half for Pasternak that got yeah, lucky to definitely. find coil. Definitely nope. not hey, pretty, but you'll take it. They don't ask how; they ask how many. That's true, and like you said, with how bad their power play's been, you'll take it. Yes, Ryan. Let's get into it. Basketball. What do we think? It was a weird opening night because uh, if you watch the start of the game as I did, as I don't know if you did, I don't know if you were watching hockey or because I was last week, the uh, last week, last night, the big hockey night where everyone, no, the Bruins didn't play Tuesday. last night. So it wasn't the Tuesday night. Okay. I got my days mixed up. Um, but yeah, I mean, the start of this game was great. I think they outscored the Knicks 30 to 18 in the first quarter. You're sitting there going, okay, this is what the Celtics with all these new additions and all these players should look like. You should be able to blow doors off teams. And then in typical Celtics fashion, late in the game, you blow a big lead, nine-point lead. I think the largest lead they had was 12. Uh, had some problems late, rebounding being the biggest. Um, but in maybe not so Celtics fashion the way, when the sky started falling, they were able to right the ship a little bit. 
I think that was mainly in part to some of these new guys, um, you know, having a steady hand in uh, in Drew Holiday, who didn't have the greatest of debuts, but he he was pretty good. Um, and then Chris Epps Porzingis was, for the people that are still sad about Marcus Smart being gone, th- this is what should make you feel better. Chris Epps Porzingis going for 30, uh, eight, four blocks, was great in the fourth quarter with, you know, New York fans screaming at him to go F himself, of course, being a former Nick uh, with all the hostility there. He was excellent. Uh, Jason Tatum looked like the leader. You know, we talked about it. I was texting you uh, off air, you know, about Derek White talking about him, uh, pulling guys aside, talking about, you know, who's going to start in the game, really looking like Tatum has taken this team over as the leader. He was great right out of the gate, 34 points, 11 rebounds, uh, you know, three of eight from deep and 13 of 22 from the field. Very, very good. Um, I don't know. I saw you added your award thing. I was wondering what the little notification was that popped up. Uh, but yeah, that was some of the positives. Tatum was great. Porzingis was good. Uh, Porzingis, of course, sets the Celtics franchise record for uh, most points for a newcomer, which is crazy to think about all the guys that have played for the Celtics uh, and had their first games in the Celtics uniform. His 30 points uh, led the way. Like I said, good bounce back to close out the fourth quarter after things started to crumble when he blew the nine-point lead. Um, and minus the rebounding problems that I'll get to in a second, the interior defense I thought was really good. The Celtics finished, of course, with 11 blocks. Uh, zero for the Knicks, which was crazy to see. Um, but kind of your thoughts on Tatum, maybe Porzingis or anything that you saw in the game before I jump into some of the things that I really did not like from this performance. Uh, yeah, the biggest takeaway for me was Porzingis. Um, I think at one point he had as many points as the rest of the team. So that's a hot mm-hmm. start. He had the most points all time in his uh, debut with a new team against one of his older teams. I'm at 38 and four, not 38, 38 and four, um, to clarify. And overall, I mean, sure, they could have been better at times, but like, I thought it was a fine performance overall for a season opener. Mm -hmm. Uh, I thought John Brown struggled at times, a lot of people getting at him, but it's one of those things I can't have these crazy takes right now. Like, Mm -hmm. I just, I need to see, I need to see how the cookie crumbles here. And, after this, I'm still pretty confident. The Bruins scored again. They did. These are some weird-looking goals they're scoring. This one just trickled through, I think. Maybe um, five-hole, if I look and saw it correctly. It was. Yep. Yeah, I, I missed we'll it. Take it right? Every time I look away now uh, to talk basketball, they score. So maybe I'll keep doing that. Just um, don't pay attention at all. And Michigan State score, which makes me sad. Um, but, yeah, overall, fine with me. Works for me. Yeah, like you said, I'm glad you brought out the Brown thing because I think a uh, not rightfully so, because again, it is game one. That's kind of my takeaway as well, is that, yeah, there's some things you don't like. Um, Brown was not good in this game at all. Very well, could have easily thrown the game away if the Celtics could not, did not bounce back. Uh, finished with 11 points, was 0 for 4 from deep. A uh, couple of turnovers. Did lead the team in assists, which is not something I like to see, especially when Drew Holiday's here. Like, you would rather him be the guy uh, that's facilitating, but Brown amidst the struggles was able to find something that was uh was positive for him my takeaway from him and holiday both at times looked like they were struggling to try to find their roles in this offense which is going to happen with some of these new guys um you know maybe brown obviously taking a back seat in this game to porzingis uh he's gonna maybe disappear at times which isn't great but again it's the first game of the year um i didn't like the living and dying by the three which is something we've come to know and either love or hate depending on how you look at it with this team um, the pace of play, you know, that needs to, the slowing down needs to stop. Scal said it a couple of times on the broadcast last night. Rebounding, as I mentioned, of course, needed to be better. The Knicks finished with 17 offensive rebounds, which should not happen, especially when you're playing guys like Porzingis and Horford out there. You should be able to gobble up the rebounds. And the bench wasn't great. 38 points to 12, the Knicks outscored them. Uh, very interesting to see what the bench looked like. And it was Horford, Pritchard, Hauser, and Cornette. 
the likes of Lamar Stevens, O'Shea Brissett, uh, Delano Banton. I think it's Namias Keda is how you say that, or Queda. Sfi Makailuk, another guy they brought in right before the season started. Then Jordan Walsh, Steve of course, Mahalik? the rookie. Yeah, Steve Mahalik, yep, RFP. Um, Yeah, those guys did not play coaches' decisions. That was kind of interesting to see. Really, none of the new guys uh, got in there. It was all of the supporting cast, returning guys, and Horford, Pritchard, Hauser, and Cornette that got in. Um, so that'll be interesting to see how the bench shapes out or know who the first guy is off the bench following Horford, because that's probably going to be the, the sixth man this year um, for the Celtics. Final verdict for me, I'm in the same boat you are. It's the first game of the year. You can't get too high, can't get too low. I liked that they were able to bounce back after kind of collapsing in that fourth quarter. I feel like very well, if this was last year's team, you probably would have saw them just kind of ride that out and end up losing this game and you'd be, you'd be even more mad. Um, but again, if they can get back to how they played in the first quarter, up 30 to 18, they should be able to beat most of the teams in this league. I'm not worried about them one game in. Um, I'm going to assume BC just scored again. Dude, Oscar Yelvik, Bruins draft pick, has like five goals in his last three games. That's pretty Four good. Four games, maybe. That's another one tonight for Oscar. Short and a goal. Let's go. All right, let's continue. I like it. Yeah, that was kind of – I'm rambling a little bit here because um, obviously it, it's tough to uh, – like you said, develop a strong opinion on the first game of the season. Um, but that, that's where we're at right now. Like, you're not going to get too high, not <laughs> going to get too low. You expect Jalen Brown to bounce back tomorrow night against the the Heat. Um, you expect Drew Holiday to, to bounce back as well. Um, again, he was good defensively, though, so you're not going to knock him too much. And then Tatum and Porzingis were excellent as well. So nothing too crazy so far. Uh, like I said, one game into the season. Yeah, exactly. Can't get too high, can't, can't get too low, especially, you know, with such a good team. Um, shall we get into some predictions? Sure. I will defer to you though, because usually I start this off, but I want to hear what you have to say, what your thoughts. Cause like I said, I've been talking quite a bit and doing a little bit of rambling. Uh, so what, how do you think the NBA season is going to shape out? What are your predictions? Yes, I do think as do many, I feel like that the Celtics will win the Eastern conference this year. Um, a little bit of a spoiler, actually, I was talking about winning the division but i do think they'll win the eastern conference or win the conference in mm-hmm. terms of being the number one seed you know what Take i mean top spot um, yep um just wanted to clarify i have the Celtics going 56 and 26 this year um it's just a really good team like they added drew holiday um gave a little bit to get him but um Good cast, rebuilt the bench a little bit you know you're expecting these guys to take bigger steps with mark smart out like Brown and uh, Tatum as leaders, I think they will. The Celtics will be very good again. Excuse me, Milwaukee number two, fifty-four and twenty-eight. Um, I like the little addition, but it doesn't scare me too much. But they'll be one of the uh, teams that'll be the class of the Eastern Conference. Uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers continue to climb into contender status, um, fifty-one and thirty-one for me. The Knicks go forty-nine and thirty-three. Uh, the Sixers, a team a lot of people are going to be following quite closely this year. See what happens with guys like Joel Embiid and James Harden. Um, I think they'll be in the mix, though. You know, I don't see it, you know, being a fall from grace to them. I'd have them winning 47 games this year. Uh, the Miami Heat winning 46. The Hawks winning 44. Um, the Brooklyn Nets getting an eight seed at 41 and 41. The Orlando Magic taking a bit of a jump, going up to 40 wins in the year. The Charlotte Hornets are my team, like the Cleveland Cavaliers a few years ago when a lot of people were low on the Cavaliers. I think I had them at the ninth seed. They might have made the playoffs. Um, the Charlotte Hornets are my team with that this year. I think they'll do a, l- a little bit better than people expect. Um, and I have them going 38 and 44. Um, we'll see how things go, though. They are the Charlotte Hornets. Um, 
you know, that custom has been, you know, bad basketball for a little while, but I think they'll start to climb out of it this year. They're a team I like maybe more than some. Uh, Chicago Bulls could absolutely see them finishing lower than the 11th seed this year because I think uh, with the players only meeting after one game and um, – I was going to say that, yeah. You know, you've got LaMelo Ball potentially might not even – or is LaMelo or Lonzo for them? Lonzo's Lonzo. in Chicago, He's, LaMelo's in Charlotte. So I, I believe no NBA player has ever come back from that. I think it's like a cartilage replacement he got. He's got, yeah, he's got something and weird going on. I can't he's got the same exactly. thing Gabriel Landeskog is going on. And Gabriel Landeskog has not played since yeah, the Stanley Cup finals that they won in 2022. Uh, oh. No NHL player has ever come back from that. Um, so wishing the best Alonzo because that's fucking frightening to have an injury with that type of billing around it. Um, yeah, at that, that age too. Like, yeah. I think he's only and he's so good. four or five, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. If that. I think things could go a lot worse than 36 and 46 for the, for the bulls, uh, mm-hmm. maybe more towards 30 wins, but um, it'll, you know, we'll see what this uh, players only meeting does, I guess. Uh, the Toronto Raptors, I think the loss of Fred Van Vliet is going to prove pretty big for them. Um, so got some depth, still got some players like Siakam and Anunoby. Um, I see some people like Scotty Barnes to win defensive rookie of the year. I don't know how likely that is, uh, but they're a good team. Grady Dick will probably play a good amount for them, which would be exciting. Um, I just don't think they're close to the playoffs. I think this is a team that's, you know, been slowly falling out of the picture since they won the championship um, a mm-hmm. few years back. Uh, the Indiana Pacers, who just extended their head coach, um, still not a great team. You know, they scored 143 points in the opener I saw, so maybe the maybe the Pacers will well, be that team wild. I have being the Hornets. Uh, maybe they finish closer to a playoff spot, but I don't know. They're still the Pacers. I need to see it to believe it for a team like that that hasn't been really in the mix uh, lately. Uh, then Detroit and Washington are roll, rounded out. Detroit's building towards the future. Um, I don't think they should be expecting the playoffs, but maybe they're a little scrappy, and the Wizards are pretty bad. So mm-hmm. I think they're, they're in the basement for a lot of people in the Eastern Conference. Um, yeah. Denver Nuggets at the top of the West for me, 55 and 27. Uh, the Phoenix Suns with Bradley Beal in the mix. Um, going 54 and 28. Golden State going 50 and 32. The Lakers 49 and 33. Um, I see a lot of people like Anthony Davis for Defensive Player of the Year this year. I don't see it. I don't think he'll be healthy because he never is. Um, the Clippers are 47 and 35. Kawhi Leonard. Another guy that's not ever healthy, really. Um, and uh, Paul George has his share of injury troubles at times, too. I think the Sacramento Kings, who I have six, could easily end up at the four seed this year. Maybe top three. Maybe the, maybe, maybe the Kings build on this and become a 50-win team. That's where um, they this, were last year. They were the a three team seed. on the upswing. So, But um, I don't know. Six feels right. The, the, the Lakers and Clippers will be solid. It'll be tough to you know leapfrog them. Dallas Mavericks, uh, big year for Luka Doncic, but I just don't know if they're finishing in the top six of the West. Um, it's a pretty uh, good Western Conference this year. I think either winning 44 games, uh, Minnesota at 42, New Orleans at 41, Memphis at 39, which might surprise some people, but um, I think losing Steven Adams is going to be massive. Um, yeah. John Morant, hopefully for the Grizzlies' sake, can uh, stay away from the antics. Uh, we know what Jaron Jackson Jr. is capable of, could win defensive player of the year, um, conceivably. So can Marcus Smart. Um, I think defense is going to become more of their identity a little bit this year. You know, they still have scores, but um, I think if they're winning games, it's going to be a lot on um, guys like Marcus Smart and Jaron Jackson Jr. to win close ones. Um, See, he got nabbed for a technical first game as a Grizzly. He was taunting the guy. Oh, good. 
Yes. They got a foul called against him when he was clapping either at the guy or just kind of yes. listening to the radio too. He said way too much. They teed him up for a, a pretty much a taunt. I'm like, are you serious? First game of the year? Yeah, he's the best. Mm-hmm. Um, let your anger flow through you. Uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder. I kind of wanted to put them at like the eight seed, but I don't know. I I still eight feel two, like they got too some many more questions. to do. Yeah. Alexander is phenomenal, but um, I still think there's a lot of building to do around him that they need to do. Uh, the Utah Jazz towards the bottom at 35 wins. Houston Rockets at 32. Uh, San Antonio Spurs and Wemby at 30 wins. And the Portland Trailblazers sands Damian Lillard for the first time in forever at 26 and 56. That's as low as it's going to get, folks. You heard it from the basketball expert of the show. 26 wins will be the basement. And it'll be the Portland Trailblazers with the Wizards behind them. All right. They get the number one pick, or potentially because of the lottery. Uh, potentially the number one pick for you. Interesting. Look forward to it because I know everything. Trailblazers fans. Fair enough. Um, for me, we'll do the playoffs and the awards afterwards. We'll, we'll stick to the standings for now to keep it simple. Uh, I like you. I have the Celtics taking the East. Uh, I think they are destined for big things this year, as you said, a lot of people do as well. Uh, I have them as the one and only 60 win team. I think they go 60 and 22. Again, if they can not fumble over themselves like they did at the end of that game last night. Uh, and play like they did in the first quarter, play as a unit, you know, just blow teams off the floor. I don't think there's a lot of teams that can compete with them. One team that might be able to, of course, the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, I have them going 58 and 24. Obviously, Lillard is going to make a huge difference there, but we talked about it when the trade happens. I don't know what their depth's going to look like. If they run into some injuries, if, you know, I can't imagine Chris Middleton's going to play a full season. Brooke Lopez is only getting older, so what's he going to look like? Um, you know, that team's going to have to be carried, I think, by Giannis and Lillard can very well easily do so. Um, but they may slip up a little bit, you know, just because, again, you know, if injuries start to pile up for them, uh, you know, they lost Wesley Matthews, they lost Grayson Allen. Of course, Drew Holiday is now a Celtic. I think that's going to come back to burn them at times. Um, you know, it might not be as easy sailing as some people think for the Bucks. I have the Cavs finishing as the three seed as well, 52 and 30. I like what they did in the offseason, adding some depth pieces. You know, getting Max Strews will be a, a big addition for their offense, um, you know, with the success he had with uh, with the Heat. Um, and mainly I think they take the three C because I think Philadelphia is going to fall off. I think this, this James Harden stuff is going to linger throughout the season. I think it's only going to piss Joel Embiid off more and more as the year goes on. I have a bold prediction about the 76ers when we get to that uh, a little bit later, uh, but I have them finishing as the four seed 48 and 34. They'll still be right there in the thick of things uh, just solely because of Joel Embiid. And then Beecher. I think Tyrus Maxey, what happened? Did you see that from Beecher? I did. And I was looking down two on uh, a wide open net and he hit the post. Oh, you hate to see it. Oh man, tough for the rook. Not great. Now, um, but now, yeah, now he's gonna bury one though. You know he's gonna probably yeah. You, you reverse jinx him, so kudos to you when that yes. happens. Credit, um, credit to me. Absolutely, but yeah, I think that team is gonna be carried mainly by Embiid and Maxi because uh, I think James Harden is just pretty much checked out. He's not gonna play the first two games of the year. I'm pretty sure because uh, he does not want to be there. Five C, the team we saw last night, the New York Knicks, pretty good all around team. I think they go 47 and 35. Julius Randle will, of course, lead that squad. I think Dante DiVincenzo is going to be a nice little addition for them coming over from the uh, Golden State Warriors. Um, they lost Rose and Toppin, but, you know, not too big, lo- really huge losses Toppin's there. Like Indiana now, right? He is. I think he got traded there, if I remember correctly. Um, like or sign and picks, trade. Yeah, it wasn't anything really crazy. Cheap. Yeah, really, really cheap. Again, I think he pretty much fell out of favor there after being another first round pick that did not work out for the Knicks. Uh, Miami, they stick around even though they had some big losses, you know, mainly to uh, all their their depth guys. Did you know those depth guys are undrafted, by the way? Lost a lot of those undrafted guys. Struce, Vincent. Oh, no. Yeah, they're undrafted. 
Uh, really? Trader Victor Rule. They are. I didn't know if you knew that or not. If you want no, me to tell you 10 more times, I definitely will. No, um, thank you for the thank you for the knowledge. You're welcome. They'll Whoa, still be around. Oh, just got buried. He must be delayed. I'm watching a commercial right now. Or oh, it might have hit the rewind button. Somebody, on my beat, the, somebody beat the bag at a Gudis. Come on now. You must be really behind me. I'm not paying attention to that at all. Um, but yeah, the Heat, they'll stick around. Jimmy Butler, of course, he, he is him. Bam Adebayo will have a good year. And Spolstra will find a way to get that team right in the middle of the thick of things. Um, and then the playoffs. Atlanta, I have as a seven seed, 43 and 39. We finally saw them trade John Collins this offseason. Uh, they added some good depth pieces in Wesley Matthews and Patty Mills. That'll help them out quite a bit in the scoring department uh, and pretty good defenders as well. Brooklyn, I have as the eight seed, 41 and 41. Uh, maybe they get Ben Simmons back. Maybe he plays a full season. We'll have to wait and see, of course, on that. We know you know what Ben, ben Simmons, um, you know, as we joke about him, does bring a pretty good defensive presence there. Um, so, you know, that, that'll hopefully, hopefully boost that team as well. Orlando was surprised, 39 and 43. They're building towards something, have some nice young pieces there. But I think, you know, still a little too young, still a year or two away. Um, did get Joe Ingles, which was a nice move to, you know, get a veteran in there, get some depth uh, to come off their bench, I believe, is how they're going to use him. I'm with you. I'm not high on Chicago, especially like you said, when they have a, a, a players only meeting one game into the season that cannot bode well. Uh, I have a bold prediction about them that maybe people can think of what that might be uh, thinking that they're going to have a, a, a players only meeting one game in 38 and 44 is what I see them going. Same record with the Pacers at 38 and 44. Again, Pacers are building towards something still, you know, kind of in a semi rebuild. Uh, maybe Buddy Heald finishes the year there. Maybe he doesn't. There's, of course, trade rumors with him to start the year. Toronto, like you said, I think they're going to miss Fred Van Vliet. I don't really see who they have as a, a guy that can score like he could. Um, so I have them finishing as the 12th seed at 36 and 46. Charlotte finishes 13. They're 30 and 52. You know, a, a talented roster, but they just can't ever seem to stay healthy, especially Gordon Hayward. Um, you know, if LaMelo Ball stays healthy, he'll obviously lead that team. But you know, there's questions, you know, surrounding that whole team again with, with health. Detroit in the 14th spot at 26 and 56. Again, young building towards something. And then Washington, uh, I have at 24 and 58. Of course, traded Bradley Beal, made a ton of, you know, minor moves this offseason, getting guys like Jordan Poole, Tyus Jones. Uh, I was surprised. I thought they got rid of Danilo Gallinari, but he is still there. So maybe he's a guy they look to move uh, at some point this season to get some more, you know, trade assets or, or draft assets, something like that. Uh, but I'm not expecting a whole lot from Washington this season. In the Western Conference, I went back and forth with this one, but I'm going to go with Phoenix. I think Denver maybe will have a little bit of that championship hangover. Obviously didn't have that opening night when they smacked around the Lakers again. Uh, but I think, you know, that will linger at times. And I don't like their depth compared to Phoenix's. Um, of course, the Suns getting Bradley Beal, uh, who is already hurt. Maybe there's a concern there for Phoenix that Beal and Devin Booker are both hurt. I don't think are not playing tonight. So maybe that's something that lingers. Uh, but that team still is loaded. Uh, they should be able to, to win the West. Not fairly easily, but should be right up there. Denver in the two at 52 and 30. I'm one of those people that are very high on the Lakers. I think the Lakers had arguably one of the best, if not best, one of the better, if not best off seasons uh, with, you know, sharing up some depth, getting guys like Torian Prince, Gabe Vincent, Christian Wood. Uh, obviously can't bet against LeBron, Anthony Davis. If he stays healthy, that team should be very good. I have them finishing 50 and 32. Golden State in the four, 49 and 33. Can't, can't count them out ever, even though they're getting up there in age. Uh, Steph is still great, of course. The Clippers, I don't know why I do this to myself. Every year I'm high on the Clippers. Every year it bites me in the ass, like you said. Uh, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard never can seem to stay healthy. Now with the rules against uh, sitting guys for load management, be very interesting to keep an eye on that team because I feel like Kawhi Leonard was the king of load management. Um, so maybe, you know, if he has to play yeah. a full season, uh, we'll see what happens with them. But I have them finishing as the five seed at 48 and 34. 
Sacramento, like you, is the six at 46 and 36. Had a great year last year, but I think they take a little bit of a step back as some of the teams around them improved. Um, Dallas in the seven, 45 and 37. We saw Luka Doncic in, rare, in, in full MVP form last night, taking the game over. Um, you know, maybe they get a full year out of uh, Kyrie to see what he has uh, still left in the tank there in Dallas. Uh, Minnesota is the eight seed at 43 and 39. New Orleans at 42 and 40. I have Memphis as the 10 seed. I'm with you. I, I think missing Adams is going to be huge for them. He was a big physical presence and just the leading, uh, leading presence on that team. Uh, you, you don't know what you're going to get out of John Morant when he comes back from his suspension. I don't think Marcus Smart is enough to, you know, compete with some of the better teams in that conference. So I think they go 41 and 41. OKC, same thing. They're young. They're building. Uh, I like Yodis Alexander. They get Chet Holmgren back. Uh, but, you know, he's going to be a work in progress after missing his rookie year last year. So they go 40 and 42. Utah on the 12 at 34 and 48. I wanted to put Houston higher because obviously the, the Rockets are in somewhat of a semi-rebuild. They brought in Udoka. Um, their roster on paper is not as bad as I thought it was. Made some solid veteran additions. They traded for Oladipo. I think they signed him after he was bought out. Brought in Dylan Brooks. You know, he's kind of a pain in the ass, but a, a good solid defensive presence there. Jeff Green is a, a solid veteran. And of course, they struck the big deal with Rand Fleet. So that's going to help their scoring quite a bit. They're building towards something, but, you know, 32 and 50, I think, is a solid prediction for them. Uh, Portland, I'm not as low on as you are. I think Portland squeaks out a couple extra wins to go 28 and 54. Again, they're not really like truly rebuilding. They brought in, again, solid pieces Robert Williams, DeAndre Ayton, Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, those are all veteran guys that, you know, know what it takes to win in the NBA. So they might not be as bad as people think. And then I have the Spurs finishing. As the 15th seed, they're going to have to get something to pair with Wembenyama. Uh, they finish at 26 and 56, but not the worst team in the NBA. I have the Washington Wizards at that, like I said, at 24 and 58. Fair. What's next? Are we going to predictions uh, for like the season, or are we going to playoffs? And like your playoffs. playoffs. Who do you have in the Eastern Conference? Who do you have coming out of the Western Conference? And what do your finals look like? Yeah, we'll I have awards. Celtic. Well, do you want me to do my? Uh... Yeah, you want me to do my awards after? Yeah, just do yeah. yeah. Do your playoff predictions awards yeah. and then we'll do the uh bowl predictions to end it out. Certainly. Uh Celtics over Bucks in seven. I think we're just with the Lillard trade and everything, the stars are aligning towards the Celtics and Bucks Eastern Conference Finals. Celtics pull it out in seven. Tatum with the MVP of that series. I have Nuggets over Suns in six. I have Jokic with the MVP in that series. And Celtics over the Nuggets, so the Celtics to finally do it. I'm gonna pick them to do it until they do it because they're gonna do it soon, and it might be this year. You Celtics and seven really over do. the Nuggets, banner eighteen. That would be nice. Give me your awards for the season. My awards, I'd love to, Ryan. My MVP is Jason Tatum. I've been waiting for this the last two years, and I'm picking okay. him again because. He's improved his statistical averages I saw in the main categories. I don't know the, all the details I saw each of the six years of his career. So Yes, yep. Yes, so MVP, that's what that means. I, I can't in good conscience pick against anyone other than Waimanyama for Rookie of the Year. Guys, is, is like nothing we've ever seen. It's like a bigger version of Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. Um, my defensive player of the year is Evan Mobley. I've been high on the Cavaliers for... A few years now, and I think Evan Mobley might surprise some people. Maybe not. Um, and win defensive player of the year this year. Um, I like Emmanuel quickly to win six man. I like Tyrese Maxey. I liked how he really came along uh, last year for the Sixers late in the season and 
um, is really becoming a big player, might have to become an even bigger player if they trade Joel Embiid and uh, James Harden. But Tyrese Maxey is the guy on the come up. I'm going to go with him here. I feel like that's a safe pick. And mm-hmm. Joe Mazzulla, because I got to be honest, Celtics are going to be really good. So that's obviously the reason he could win it. But I don't know who else to pick. So I'm just going to go Joe Mazzulla, the guy I know. Yeah, that, that award tends to go to the, the best coach. Like, that's one of the ones I feel like that gets scrutinized of like, okay, it, it should be the guy that does the most for the team, like a team you don't expect to make the playoffs or do really, really well. Um, so a lot of people tend to think like that's an award. Eric Spolstra should win a lot because he might not be the best team, but they're always right there. But yeah, it tends to go to the guy that has the best team in the league. And that very well could be the Celtics this year. Um and maybe we'll see. Maybe I agree with you on some of these. But my playoffs, I'm with you. Celtics over Bucks. I think we are headed for a crash course in that. Uh, should be an excellent, fantastic, whatever word you want to use to describe it, seven-game series uh, that the Celtics end up winning over Milwaukee uh, with Eastern Conference Finals MVP. Once again, being Jason Tatum. How can you bet against him uh, when he is, in fact, yeah. their best player? Western Conference Finals. This one might surprise some people. We're heading for a crash course again with the Lakers and the Nuggets, in my opinion. Uh, and this time, LeBron gets the better of the Nuggets, I think. Uh, it's going to be Lakers over the Nuggets in seven, setting up a LeBron James Western Conference Finals MVP and a crash course rivalry, old-time rivalry, Banner 18, Celtics-Lakers. I have the Celtics in seven over the Lakers. If that happens, it would be a great playoff series for fans old and young, just you know the, the nostalgia in it itself. Uh, and Jason Tatum cleaning up again. Uh, he takes the Finals MVP as well. I wanted to pick him for MVP of the league. I really did. I think he is going to, you know, for to spoil one of my bold predictions for the Celtics, I think he ends up being a top three finisher in the MVP voting. I think he finishes second to Nikola Jokic, though. Jokic arguably was robbed last year, depending on how you looked at it. You know, better stats, I think, than when he won his MVP, but Embiid was awesome, so I'm not going to knock it too much. I think he bounces back. I think he takes it again this year for another MVP for Jokic. I'm with you. Can't bet against, can't pick against Wembenyama for Rookie of the Year. Uh, he's going to be fantastic. I think he had 15-5 and five in his rookie debut last night. Uh, so not the craziest stat line, but you know, going to be a work in progress as the season goes on. Uh, you kind of alluded to this. I'm one of the people that are high on if the Lakers are going to be good, it's going to have to be through Anthony Davis as well as LeBron. I think he takes home with Defensive Player of the Year this year. You know, He's come close a couple of years here and over his career. Um, but I think this is the year he finally gets it if he stays healthy. I agree with you on the sixth man, Emmanuel quickly. We saw him against the Celtics last night, play really, really well again. Uh, you know, some people could argue should have won it over Malcolm Brogdon last year because he was great down the stretch. I think this is his year to take it. Um, as I alluded to with the most improved, if James Harden is out in Philadelphia, someone's going to have to step up and, you know, manage that load. I think it's going to be Tyrese Maxey. I'm right there with you. He's going to be excellent this year for them. Uh, and coach of the year, Again, mainly on the fact that it's usually given to the guy that has the best record. I think that will be the Celtics in the end. Uh, and Joe Missoula, you know, timeouts. I think he's not going to have a problem with those this year. Uh, I hope he just doesn't live and die by the three. You know, you don't want to see the, the three ball Missoula or, you know, however the nicknames that he's gotten on Twitter. Um, Missoula ball, as people have called it. I think he wins the uh, the coaching award, head coach award pretty easily. They have it. Love it. Mm-hmm. Um. Jokic won't win MVP because he's going to start raising horses and he's going to leave the Nuggets. David Poshnark just scored. He did. You saw that. Yes. Yes. Uh, bold Jokic predictions. Does, does like his horses, so that might not he be does. a crazy prediction by you if you want to put that in one of your bold predictions as well. Well, I just put it out on the airwaves. There you go. Joel Embiid stays in Philly. I think the Joel Embiid move will be an off-season thing. I think Tyler Hero does not make it a good the deadline as a member of the Miami Heat. Feels like a guy 
that has been talked about a lot as a trade ship as they're going for that that big fish i think they find a way to move in um to where i don't know but we'll see um maybe i'll have more of an answer as the season goes along um Another guy that'll be on the trade market a lot, I think, will be Zion Williamson, but I think he stays put um, in New Orleans, and I think if that happens, it is also an off-season deal. Okay. That's it for me. We'll see that. All right, mine, I alluded to a couple of these. Uh, The first one, I think James Harden is destined to be traded, uh, whether that's before the NBA trade deadline or at the trade deadline, whether it's whatever it's going to be, I think he is just gone. He's going to continue to put on this, I don't want to play for you uh, mentality, going to miss some games here and there. Uh, So I think he's gone, and I think that will finally lead to the so-called process being done in Philadelphia. I think when James Harden leaves, if they get bounced in the playoffs again, like you and I both predict they will, um, you know, whatever that round is, doesn't matter. I think Joel Embiid's going to want out at the end of the season. I think he's going to be done in Philly. What happened? Did you just see that kick by Caleb McLaughlin? No. I don't have the football game on. uh, Football game, right? Dude, that was – that was – an insanely bad kick. What the hell just even happened? It wasn't even a bad hold. I did not see that. I got the Bruins game on my TV. So holy smokes, that was trying to follow the football game on the ESPN app and keep tabs on fantasy football. That defied logic for me. Uh, Back to what you were saying, of course, I'll have to look that up, but yeah, I think if, if Harden gets traded, I think the, the 76 season may start to spiral downward. And I think that will, will spell the end of Joel Embiid's time in Philadelphia. He's going to want out. Uh, for players that will be traded outside of Harden, the other three big names I'm keeping an eye on, uh, Buddy Heald in Indiana. I think we saw, the, you know, before the season started, there were plenty of trade rumors with him. He may, maybe gets moved, maybe in a deal, if they can make it work with uh, Miami. I think that was a team that was maybe interested in him. So maybe your Tyler Hero trade factors into my Ooh, Buddy Heald Ryan. trade. That'd be interesting. Uh, Malcolm That's Brogdon, what I, I meant think, to say. He's going to go to the Pacers. There you go. Yep. I just, I spelled it out for you. You heard um, it here first. Two names. Yep. Me. There you go. <laughs> you had it yep yeah um, other two names related to the celtics i think malcolm brogdon in portland his time there is going to be a short-lived one that's a guy i think they get draft picks for so young some young players for a contending team i think he gets dealt uh again either at or before the deadline and again i forgot danilo gallinari was still with washington i thought they bought him out and he was playing for a contender uh the wizards are not going to be good this year so i think gallinari is destined to be traded as well uh, a lot of destinies and, and destined players and matchups coming on uh coming for me tonight um, but of course, we'll have to wait and see on that. I alluded to this one with, again, can't stress it enough. I don't have great feelings about a players only meeting being held one game after the season started. Uh, so I think Bulls head coach Billy Donovan is the first coach uh, to get fired this season. I don't know how many games in that's going to be. Uh, but if the Bulls struggle like you and I think they will, I don't think Billy Donovan's time in Chicago is going to be a lengthy one this year. And then for Celtic specific ones, I think they'll have three all-stars in Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Chris Haps Porzingis, uh, three players averaging more than 20 points per game. That'll be those three guys again with Tatum leading the way um, for player specific as well. Tatum, as I said, I think will be a top three finalist in the MVP. And Chris Haps Porzingis, after the four block performance last night, if he can keep that up, uh, will be a top three finalist for defensive player of the year, leading to uh, all NBA team selections from Tatum on the first team, Porzingis on the second team, and Jalen Brown, once again, makes an all-NBA team, but this time instead of the second, like last year, uh, it is the third for him. I love it. So we, we think Jalen Brown, or I think Jalen Brown's going to bounce back after this, uh, this rough performance from, from the first game of the year. He is not uh, the worst contract in the NBA. He is not going to just continue to flop and, and play terrible. Um, he will bounce back and be fine. I kind of wonder if that uh, kick I was talking about get, got blocked, maybe. Um, I love it. Um 
I didn't really, I wanted to throw Porzingis prediction out there, but I don't, I need to see more. Fair. I'm jumping the the gun completely. He looked awesome. I am fully, if he stays healthy, fully uh, buying in. All right. Love it. I love the confidence. Um, I think that's going to wrap it up for basketball. I believe so. Not much else to talk about. Again, just one game to go off of and a whole lot of predictions. Yes. Yes. Um, before we get to Bruins, I wanted to mention the fact because the Bruins reminded me of it with the with the jersey they hung up that um, there was unfortunately another uh, mass shooting yesterday in Lewis and Maine, uh, which countless people have died from. Um, I'm just really sick of this stuff. We've talked about it a lot with these things. Unfortunately, we have to you know talk about these things because they happen more than they should, and they don't Absolutely. happen this much yep. anywhere else. Uh, but it's just, it's crazy that this happens. It's pretty frightening that the guy was supposedly in Massachusetts today as well. Um, that is so, horrifying. I didn't know that. Yeah. An unwell individual that needs to be um, locked up. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't like to get political here, but I'm sorry, but if, if you're one of those people out there that thinks people should own um, ARs at this point, I don't, really, yeah. I don't really know what to tell you. Yeah. I um, can't, uh, can't help you there. We're gonna we're gonna leave it there on the political side of things, but I mm-hmm. uh, just wanted to send our our best to those affected. Yep, for um, sure. It's just so insane that this happens, and we don't get enough change to fix it. Because um, mm-hmm. we're the only country in the world where this happens all the time. So uh, we want to send our best to the victims, families, and friends. Because we've been very sick about hearing things about the, the about this for a while, and innocent people dying un- unexpectedly due to unfit individuals and. Uh, bad leadership from the people who run the country. So, um, yeah, that's about that. Um, Bruins, though, they're winning 3-1 to one right now with nine and a half seconds left in the second period against Anaheim. Um, and they're 6-0. Kind of crazy. We've talked, with... we've talked about players in the NFL this person's demise was greatly exaggerated the demise of the boston bruins was greatly exaggerated once again every year it's like the core is done yeah now the core is retired uh, common theme it's not over it's not and it's funny how they're getting a lot of this production that's helping them from a prospect for a team that has been lauded as one of the worst drafting worst developing teams in the league um so let's get into it San Jose on the 19th on the West Coast trip. Omark makes 27 saves on 27, uh, 26 saves and 27 shots, rather, in a 3 1 win. Bruins outshoot the Sharks 36 27. Johnny Beecher was looking for, I believe, would have been his second point on that post shot earlier tonight, but mm-hmm, gets yep. the first point on Marshawn's goal. I'd say this was the one, the one tough game that Potter had. Um, didn't play great, just wasn't quite himself. These games are going to happen. Um, Nothing crazy, but I think something a lot of people noticed. Um, JVR scores a muck goal out front. These are the goals you brought him in for. And Poshnok is so good that he can score while he is tumbling to the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, good win. Good clean win against a beatable team. Um, yep. LA the next night, also on the road. 32 saves on 34 shots for Swayman. 35 to 25 shot advantage for the Bruins. Uh, first game in the Bruins uniform for Ian Mitchell, and it wasn't a great one. Um, had a two-game stretch here, had an assist in the next game, but uh, looks pretty rough out there and has since been sent down. Um, 
Maybe they're making room for it again, Heinen. I don't know. Um, could happen with Lucic and Lauko Hurt. We'll get to that in a little bit. Um, wasn't a great game uh, for him. Wasn't a great couple games. Uh, former Harvard Crimson member of the hockey team, uh, Alex Laferriere, gets his first career goal for LA in this. That was cool to see. Um, but Pasta gets number five. Um, Borgen Geeky gets his first as a Bruin on a rebound. Those are the types of goals you're going to be looking for for him, I imagine, too. And uh, unfortunately, Milan Lucic got hurt off a shot from also fellow LA King Derek Forbert. Um, Lucic is going to be out for like a week or two, probably, it seems. Um, mm-hmm. That's okay. Just heal up. Um, yep. And Marshawn buries the empty netter. Um, off of... Oh, yeah. Well, he I put I combined the two goals here. He buries one off of Kopitar and then uh, later scores the empty netter to steal this one. A 4-2 win and move to 4-0. and oh, Anaheim up next. Omar back in net, 30 saves on 31 shots. 31 to 26 shots for Anaheim. Um, Mitchell gets an assist on Patrick's first. Um, that was awesome, you know, to see Patrick get on the board after all this hard work. Um, another tough game for Mitchell, though. Not a great stretch, but by no means not a bad call-up option if that's what he becomes. And that was not it for Matt Patra because he wanted more. He ends up with the game winner in this game. Electric game uh, for him. And it's not even just the offensive tempo he brings, the puck possession. Um, he's showing comfortability in the defensive zone. Uh, he gets in the corners. And he plays with energy, mm-hmm. like legit energy and jump that you want to see out of a 19-year-old. And um, he's not going anywhere, Ryan. I no, he's can, been excellent. I think, I think we can stamp that now. We've been waiting for a little while. I think we can stamp it. He's not going anywhere. Don't, don't, uh, don't prepare for his return, Guelph. And it seems... Like, uh, that seems to be the vibe in Guelph, Ontario, that Matt Potra is not returning to the storm. Yeah, that might be the biggest mistake the Bruins can make all season if they get him out, out of here. Yes. And there really hasn't been a reason to. Like, again, no. as I said, the last time we talked about the Bruins, these young guys, more so like uh, um, him, I can't think of who. I'm, Beecher, I'm trying to say, losing my train of thought here. Um, they haven't made really a whole lot of mistakes. He has taken that and just ran with it. He's been excellent. There really hasn't been anything he has done wrong so far this year. You kind of allude to all the things he's done great. Um, not afraid to get into it and get after it. Um, his scoring touch has been great these last couple of games. What uh, you know, not much. You know, he has done wrong. I guess it's just some again trying to find the words here to describe how great he has been for the Bruins so far. And a, a pleasant surprise, as you said, for a team that doesn't tend to draft very well. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is this the kid a couple of years ago they drafted where I, if there was one of them where even you and I were both like, this kid was projected in like the fourth or fifth round. No one's ever heard of him. And they took him as a, that wasn't the same guy. No. Okay. I wanted other guys to be drafted at 54 instead of Patra, but uh, okay. it was not him. It might've been uh, Chris Pelosi this past year. Maybe. Um, yeah. That was just something, something with a P similar sounding last yeah. name. The second was, round pick that was like, Pelosi. this guy's not even close to, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but okay, fair enough. Pelosi is playing with fellow uh, draftee Be- Beckett Hendrickson, uh, both from the same draft class for the Sioux City Stampede. They're both doing pretty well. Uh, they'll both be in college next year. Um, Hendrickson at Minnesota Duluth, I believe, and Pelosi at Quinnipiac. Uh, March Marshall wrapped this 3-1 win up with an empty netter. And they go on to Chicago, a 23-save shutout for Jeremy Swayman. Bruins dominated the shot total, 43-23. Uh, Bedard scored a vintage Connor Bedard type of goal. Uh, did the Patrick Kane Selly as well, but it was called back. Um, they could use Patrick Kane. It's not going to happen, but they could use another yeah. guy for him to play with because my God, it's uh, it's going to be tough for him to win like rookie of the year. If he doesn't have much around him and Taylor Especially Hall is hurt, hurt. Yeah. Um, that uh, 
injury from the hit. Sorry, I'm putting the Bruins stream froze. Um, the hit from Carlo was lingering, it seems. Um, but yeah, that was you know the first glimpse of like a classic Bedard goal. He scored a couple, but you know not quite like that. Um, it was called off. Nice tip for Zaka to get on the board this night. I had a 16 leg parlay of point scores, one in each That's game, funny. and I got 12 of 16. I was once nine of nine or ten of ten. Um, it was crazy. I would have won twelve thousand three hundred dollars. Um, but alas, you know, uh, some people just had to let me down. Um, mm-hmm. And the guy we're going to get used to talking about, Matt Patra, gets his first big breakaway chance and does not make any mistake. Classic slow-ass Corey Perry on the back check is throwing that blade a little bit around the around the skate, trying to trip him, a little low-key, try and mm-hmm. send him into uh, the Blackhawks goalie who was Morazic that night. Dirty little Corey Perry. Don't think I didn't notice that. No um, surprise there. Yeah, and a gritty goal from Trent Frederick. My fuck, does Corey Perry look slow? Holy shit. Mm-hmm. Um, gritty goal for Trent Frederick, a three nothing win for the Bruins, and they are six and O. And things are pretty good. We talked about going into the season, goaltending being a strength. Through six games and two periods now, they've let up eight goals. No team is in single digits right now, besides the Bruins, in terms of goals allowed. Um, Jeremy Swayman is on a different level. Um, not to say he was bad last year, but he looks way like on a different level to me. He does he was more like confident, year. more comfortable. And not again, like you said, not to say that he looked like rattled or shaky at times, but it's just, it is eye opening and surprising how just again, having to play every so often, cause it's not the starter. Um, just whenever he comes in there, it's just calm, cool and collective. Like, yeah, I'm going to come out and give up one or no goals and just shut you down night after night. Yeah, he plays like a veteran. Um, it's it's really impressive to watch. Um, overall, things are good. You know, just got to get a little healthy. Um, we got Lucic is going to miss multiple weeks with that foot injury. Um, and Jakub Lauko had the funny tweet today. I don't know what, t- uh, like, that must have been like a Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter character or something. This face, he suffered a facial fracture in addition to the cut uh, due to escape from the, to the face um, inadvertently from old friend Jared Tenorti. He's good. Um, he's in good spirit. His if you don't follow him on Twitter, I recommend it. It's very funny. Um, he's he'll miss at least a week. So uh, Dan Heinen could end up in the mix. They called Jesper Bolkvist up, who's had uh, two points in five AHL games this year so far. Um, I haven't even noticed Bolkvist. I assume he's playing tonight. Uh, but I've also you know been focusing on the show Wouldn't as well. So like, not yeah, exactly. quite wa- uh, watching super in depth. Uh, Patrick Brown was brought back up. Um, he's been okay on the fourth line. Um, just a call-up type of guy. You're not expecting a ton. Um, but, yeah, uh, let's get into the previews. Ducks game tonight. We know the deal with them. They've played them once. Uh, Leo Carlson is playing, so we're seeing our first dose of the second overall pick. He scored in his debut against the Stars last week. Old friend Frank for Toronto. I don't know if he got a point on the goal tonight, but coming into tonight, five goals and an assist for six points in six games. We know the deal with the Ducks. They'll be a little scrappy at times, but probably not even sniff the playoffs, really. Uh, still rebuilding a team that we didn't expect a, a game like this coming up for is the Detroit Red Wings. Alex Dabrinkit and Dylan Larkin are dominating as line mates, uh, both well over a point per game. Dabrinkit has nine goals. He's uh, looks like he's going to play through an illness tonight. So we'll see how he does tonight. Uh, see if that affects his status against the Bruins on Saturday. Um, something to monitor. 
But Dylan Larkin, 14 points in seven games. Um, a bigger test than we may have thought. Their goaltending has held up well. That was one thing I thought could have been a weakness for them. We'll see how that materializes. But a lot of their guys that aren't supposed to be super good on defense are stepping up and playing well. Um, this is a this is a group that's fired up. And a group that right now, Ryan, is my prediction to sign one Patrick Kane and reunite that him would with Alex Brinkett. Um, I don't know if Lucas Raymond would like that because he's the beneficiary of that top line, but they have interest. And in, uh, I think Patrick Kane would like playing there with his old buddy to bring it. Um, they're my pick right now to land him. The Florida Panthers, um, seventh in the Atlantic Division, Sam Reinhart, over a goal per game, has seven goals and two assists for nine points in six games. He's awesome. Um, they're pretty meh. They're missing some defensemen um, still, and they're pretty meh. You know, they got Carter Verhage, they got Reinhardt playing good. Barkov's been hurt, so that hurts. Um, uh, you're looking for guys like Mackie Samoskovich and uh, Anton Liddell and Itulista Reinen to step up. In the meantime, um, I love Mackie Samoskovich, their former first-round pick. Um, Mike Riley revenge game? Not sure, because he hasn't Probably really not. been in the lineup. They've got Uvis Belinskis playing over him. Yes, that's a real person. I didn't make that up. Um, and Nico Mikula, Dmitry Kulikov, and um, Oliver Ekman Larson, a whole different defensive core with uh, Brandon Montour and Aaron Ekblad currently on the shelf. Winnable game. Um, take advantage and win this game because Florida is probably going to get better as the season goes along and they get healthier. Um, other news Jackson Edward, seventh round pick, the big physical defenseman, was signed to an entry level contract yesterday. It's off to a good start in London, not really known for his offense, but I think he's got six points in 10 games. Big hulking defenseman for the London Knights. Great system down there. Um, so, yeah, that was cool to see. Uh, I imagine we'll see him in Providence at the end of the season. Um, something I don't really like. The NHL looks to be headed towards a decentralized draft, much like the NBA and the NFL. Not that, like, in-person vibe um, where, you know, everybody's, like, the families are at the draft and all that. Um, you know, teams staying at home and stuff like that. That's I don't like it. I think yeah, that blows. that's what makes the NHL draft fun. But I get it. Um, it just sucks. I like. I don't get why like why the other leagues do it to begin with. So I'm not just not put it out there. Not knocking the yeah. NHL for doing this. It's dumb for every league. Yeah, I think it is too. I don't really like it, but it's not official yet, so we'll see. The big news today, Ryan, though, the NHL has its first gambling suspension, and this. we told this was not on hockey. So I don't really understand why he got oh, the I hammer. Didn't know that. So that's it. Yeah. Wasn't on hockey. Um. Shane Pinto, currently the biggest unsigned RFA, uh, will be forced to sign his qualifying offer so the, the, um, of $874,125 for one year to make the suspension retroactive to the season opener active for 41 games for betting. Um, sounds like they caught wind of this potentially being a thing a couple weeks ago, current, according to reports, and Shane Pinto um, is out for half the season. Last time we had a half the season suspension was when Psycho Rafi Torres, who liked to try and kill people, like got suspended for like the 16th time. Um, that was in like 2015, maybe. Uh, Shane Pinto was out for half the season, currently unsigned, but it uh, looks like he's going to have to sign that qualifying offer to be able to be suspended because he has to be under contract. That's um, a hell of a rule. That's, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. But the uh, I, forget, I think it's called the December one rule. Like if you're not if you haven't played before, if you're unsigned, haven't played before December one, uh, you can't play at all. But they're gonna waive that rule for him. Um, so if they get that done you know, with a qualifying offer as expected, he'll be able to come back. It's a tough look. I'd love to know what he bet on. That'd be funny. Uh, but 
I got to be honest, I didn't expect this to happen in the NHL. I thought it would just, you know, have some NFL players every once in a while because that was the main sport it was happening in. And, you know, we'd kind of just laugh it off. We're like, oh, I wonder what he gained on. He's out six mm-hmm. games for dropping a parlay on whatever. Yeah. Um, yep. But Shane Pinto made history today. First ever suspension for gambling in the NHL. I'm curious if he thought he'd get away with something like this because, like you just said, he was unsigned. So did he maybe think know. that, like, hey, I'm not on a contract, so rules don't apply maybe to me. But yeah. Yeah, and also I didn't know that he because I was on when I first saw this under the assumption that he bet on NHL games. So I'm like, oh, you idiot! This, again, stop betting on games that you for the sport you play on. But yeah, the fact that it wasn't NHL games, I'm interested. Yeah, I feel like you'll never get the details on what he what he bet on. Um, no, but it is interesting that it is that harsh. You know, outside betting. I guess the NHL just must have a, a huge no gambling policy of doesn't yeah. matter what it is. Like you're not allowed to do it. I think a general rule of not being allowed to bet on other sports is so dumb. It is dumb. Yeah, especially in this day and age when it seems like every every so sports dumb. company has a betting site. And there's tied so to many it. gambling like, sponsors in the NHL. That's what I mean. Yeah, they have Bet Ninety Nine, which is a Canadian oh, sports book on their helmets. That's smart. Like, let them bet on other sports at least. Like, come on, mm-hmm. the, these guys want to scratch the itch a little bit. There's a lot of well, guys yeah. I bet that would gamble on football if they could. Oh, absolutely. Um, it's just. I it's, feel it's like wacky. you probably have guys that are already doing it. You just don't. They just weren't dumb enough to get caught. I don't know. I guess Shane Pinto was. I wonder how he got caught. To be honest, like, was, how do you catch somebody doing this? He, I'm trying to think. How did they catch Calvin Ridley? He was betting under. I don't. He wasn't know. doing something dumb like betting under his own. It wasn't his own name or something like that. Like I, you hope it wasn't something stupid like, like that. But that is. I don't know, man. I don't know. Maybe so, somebody had to have got wind of it and called up the NHL and was like, hey, doesn't this guy, isn't he part of your league? He's not supposed to be doing this probably. I yeah. look into that. Um, that is wild. 41 games for an wild. outside odd uh, sport is kind of crazy. Like I would expect that for the NHL, but like maybe cut that down to 20, mm-hmm. like 25 most maybe for, yeah. like you said, if he's making parlays in the NFL or something like that, betting on maybe who's going to win the World Series for baseball. I don't know. I don't know, man. Maybe it was the World Series. Maybe he was big in the on the fightings. Um, I'm all for two. I'm not putting any more money on the World Series. I lost money on the yeah. Braves. Picked up money on Philadelphia. Lost money on them too. So yeah, lost money. On I the will Phillies say real quick because we have a little bit of time here uh, to give out a quick prediction. I will say the Rangers. I'm not going to throw any money on them because at that point that would doom them to losing. So if there's Diamondback fans and they want me to throw money on the Rangers, I'm not doing it. I'm going with the Diamondbacks. All right, we're going to defer, see what happens. Do we have any bonus Craig Breslow thoughts? Uh, I don't hate the move. I think like we covered we, a lot of it, so it's really We did, yeah, just to, to rehash it really quick in the final couple minutes here. Like, I don't hate the move. He's a smart guy. He did a lot of good things for the Cubs, one of them being getting Theo Epstein there to help that team win a World Series. Um, it was great for their pitching program. I would have liked a guy with experience, though. I hate after what mm-hmm. we just saw with Heim Bloom bringing in a guy that is has no experience. So maybe that's going to be a good thing. Maybe he's going to be hungry to go out and prove himself. I think that's going to be the case. But at, at this point, where you are as a franchise, as an organization, I would have liked someone with a little bit more experience to maybe have him learn from for a year or two. Because everyone mm-hmm. talks about um, Chris Young for the Rangers. Look at what he's doing with them. Like he's leading them to a World Series. He was under a guy. I can't remember the guy's name, but he worked under somebody and got to learn for a year or two. And then went out and you know made all these moves and was it was a great GM for them. I would have liked that for Craig Breslow. I'm, I'm interested to see how he does. Don't get me wrong. Um, and again, like the Red Sox were striking out, no pun intended, left and right when it came to guys with experience. So yeah, maybe this yeah, was just all they had 
all they had left. And that's if that's the case, by exactly. Or didn't want it. Absolutely. My biggest thing outside of what we talked about last week is he, he has an emphasis he wants to put on building um, pitching depth. So mm-hmm. that's I'm cool with because they don't have a lot Very of that. Cool. Yep. Yeah, me too. Um, but yeah, we're, we're, we're cool on the Craig Breslow thing. Nothing to really hate so far. Yeah. It um, wasn't like you, know, you woke up, saw that and you were like, what are they doing? That's a horrible yeah. move. Like it, it's going to be yeah. fine. I think, but Let's we'll have to real. wait and see, of course. Yep. They'll be good. Ryan, that's going to wrap it up for episode 165. I got to say, I feel so much better not battling through sickness. Like I did last week. I, I was really struggling. Right. Yep. Second half of that show. My God. Uh, but it feels good to be back. It feels good to be healthy. Um, and yeah, thank yeah. you so much for listening. Um, our listenership since changing up the schedule a little bit has been up. So thank you. That um, works. Um, that's excellent. You can find us wherever you find your podcast. You can find us on the full press coverage, Twitch and YouTube channels, as well as the full press coverage app. If you want to check that out, um, you can find us on TikTok as well. Throw the name of the pod in the search bar. Um, you can find us on Twitter at Mike underscore Craddy at Ryan underscore Savaggio and the show at sound Craddy pod. We will see you next Thursday. Um, same old time. Stay safe, stay healthy, be nice to people, all that good stuff. Um, happy Halloween, because we won't talk to you before then. Ryan will be dressing right. up as Obi-Wan Kenobi. I, I don't have any plans for Halloween right now, and that's okay with me, because I'm not a huge Halloween guy. But maybe I'll, uh, maybe I'll have a costume to report if something comes up in the there plans. Um, I'll have to improvise. But we'll talk to you next week. Peace out.